Welcome, everyone, to the next episode of the Caterpillar Podcast with today's guest, C-Raptor. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure, can if you like. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is C-Raptor. I'm a, a community contributor over on the NA server these days. Um, I, uh, I kind of got into this streaming content creation thing uh, a little over four years ago because I had been playing competitive warships on the NA server, the old Warship Supremacy League, which was kind of the one of the predecessors to King of the Sea. And um, I played two seasons of that. And when we got down to the finals, they always invited like some of the streamers to come in and try to showcase the final matches. And after watching a couple of those, I was like, surely we can do this better. And so in season five, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to play this season. I'm just going to cast. And so I cast every Saturday night. We did two games and then on to the finals. And then that was the last season before we merged with King of the Sea. And I've been doing King of the Sea now for four years. So Warships competitive is what got me into streaming. And then these days I, I do warships on Twitch uh, once a week and then a little bit of YouTube work and um, starting to mix in other games. I've done some uh, done a little streaming of uh, Hell Let Loose, which is one of my uh, I really like that. It's like a World War II kind of tactical shooter. And then uh, my wife and I have done a little bit of uh, Star Wars Old Republic streaming lately. So we're kind, of trying, we're kind of trying to branch out a little bit, not just be so warships focused, but hmm. warships is definitely what got me here. Yeah, it's good to have some variety. Absolutely. And, well, back to Warships, we... Well, our first topic for tonight is basically the closed test and the characters of Supercarriers and the Hornet. So we've now got some stats, and I think they've been shown off in the official stream. I'm not sure, are they playable on the public test currently, Supercarriers? I think I, so, because didn't I see them playing them on the EU stream like last week when public test went live? Weren't they playing United States on the stream? Yeah, I thought, I thought so. But I mean, it's, yeah. it's uh, not sure if there was on the test server or some internal thing. But uh, anyway, we, we got now some more information about them and the statistics. I think for the, the United States basically has the same planes as the Midway as base. But it obviously has the jet aircraft as consumables added. And there are well three different ones. There are the, the rocket ones and the bombers and the top ones, and they all seem to be on a different cooldown. So I think it's uh I'm sorry, I think it's two, three and four minutes for those to recharge. So you should have an a lot of time of jet aircraft in the air, I suppose, because you can switch between those three and then throw in some regular planes in between. Yeah, this is the first time I'm looking at these stats. Um, the tactical squadrons, the reload on the tactical torpedoes is four minutes, and the reload on the tac dive bombers is six minutes. Oh, okay. Um, so basically with the dive with the, the, the dive bombers, you get three strikes per game max. With the torpedoes, I guess it would be probably five strikes per game max, and even that's not likely. So really more like four. Um and then you do have this tactical this attack aircraft. But I think that's the um, those are the little jet fighters that we've been seeing, right? Yeah, those that, are the uh, rocket ones. Yeah. Yeah, that cruise at three hundred and forty knots. So yeah. Those only have a two and a half minute reload. 
Um, but as fast as they are, two and a half minutes, man, like you'll actually mm. actually be waiting a little while for those to come back. Yeah, but you have like your regular planes in between, right? So you you strike mm-hmm. with your regular planes, and as soon as your jet aircraft is ready, you switch to the jet aircraft, and then you get a regular drop in between. So it, it will be interesting to see what's the optimal way to cycle through this because you probably always want to have a jet aircraft in the air when it's ready. Yeah, look at the United States. This is going to be this is this is going to be tough. Um, you know, her two standard squadrons. She has uh, the attack aircraft, the rocket planes that we're all used to, but she only has the American HVARs, the little five inch HVARs rockets, which are decent enough against the odd cruiser and destroyers if you can get them to land. Um, not so useful against battleships. The tactical attack squadron uses the tiny Tims. So those will be much more useful against bigger targets, heavy cruisers, opposing carriers if you get bold, that kind of thing. It looks like she's going to have to get most of her work out of the dive bomb squadron. Um, I mean, American HE dive bombs are amazing to begin with, so she won't have any problem doing that. But that seems to be what she's going to have to lean pretty pretty heavily on while she's waiting for these tax squadrons to come back up. Yeah, but I think like you you won't have much of a plane because like the the tactical squadrons you can't really lose those planes because they are on a yeah. on a timer. So you it doesn't really matter. I think if you only use the dive bombers in between because there should be enough time to regenerate them while you are using your jet aircraft. I mean, that's a bit what, what concerns me about the jet aircraft in general. They are so incredibly fast that they won't really be affected by anti much because by the time anti starts shooting, they'll already have dropped. And if you they shoot don't... them after they dropped, it doesn't matter. They don't really have a, a downside apart from the way to use them, pretty much. Yeah. But they're kind of, yeah, the fact that, that, that shooting them down doesn't really make any difference. It's like the Dutch airstrikes. Yeah, the cooldown seems to be the only real balancing mechanic here because uh, if I understand how tactical squadrons work correctly, every time it comes up, you launch a full squadron. There's none of this regenerating yes. planes. I'm not worried about that. If I lose planes on the way to the strike, doesn't matter. The next strike will still have all six planes or four planes or however many, right? It'll be a full squadron when you launch it off the deck. The cooldown is the balancing mechanic, not the regeneration. So... Um, yeah, like those kinds of planes, you really don't care about what you fly them through or whatever to get there. Um, as long, I mean, as long as you have enough uh, surviving planes to to land enough damage to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think they are so fast that you probably don't lose any planes on your way in, right? Because unless unless you fly over three boosters before your strike target, but the target that you want to attack probably won't be able to shoot down any planes because you're coming so fast. So you only shoot down planes after they've dropped, and that doesn't matter because there is no punishing mechanic for losing planes after, like with a regular carrier, right? So I'm really concerned that those tactical squadrons make basically any sort of anti-air firepower useless against them. I mean, it's not like it was that great to begin with, but yeah, it basically yeah. further negates it, as it were. I, I would disagree. I mean, I've... I, I slaughter planes pretty regularly it's not hard to kill planes it's just the trick is they have to spend time in your AA bubble and if it's moving 360 knots and your AA bubble only goes out six kilometers that ain't happening you're not you're not making any serious on the plane on the ship rather like there's not that many battleships for example where the AA feels particularly effective but there's definitely some some destroyers and cruisers why that's definitely still true 
true. And and on, I mean, honestly, battleships can absorb it better than anybody else too, right? Um, so it, it, there's a, there's a weird there's a weird balance there when it comes to anti aircraft fire. And 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 honestly, one of the things that I like about the current AA system is that cruisers, especially with their array of consumables, tend to have stronger AA suites than battleships, even though battleships almost always invariably about more anti-aircraft mounts. You've got more deck space, more places to put guns, generally a stronger AA suite. But with lacking the consumables, the cruiser still will probably come out on top, depending on the cruiser and the battleship in question. So I like that that that, that cruiser is encouraged then to actually fill that anti-aircraft role. Yeah, but the, the sad part is that basically any carrier can at least get the strike off even against a fully specced AA cruiser. And that is really punishing. Like the way AA works is that it diminishes planes over time. So basically you can't protect anyone from the first drop. You can protect them from follow-up drops and you can't deplete the carrier's reserves over time. But like just yesterday, I saw a Des Moines with one drop from a midway lose a third of its health. Just one drop. Yeah. The, uh, fully anti-air running, uh, all anti-air mounts still working, sector-enforced mm-hmm. carrier just comes in one third of the health gone. And the carrier can easily come back and do that again. And he loses quite a few planes dead, but the demand is dead afterwards, right? You only have the satisfaction that the carrier has now a few less planes. But he will still have enough to screw up some other targets. And that's where I really dislike the, the how the AA works in this game because it's impossible to protect someone from a strike it's only possible to carry sh- uh, to punish a carrier over time reasonable i mean the the any aircraft I, I tell people that any aircraft fire in world of warships is essentially a tax the carrier player has to pay to strike you by specking into aa you make it more possible or more i won't say likely but more possible that you can wipe out a squadron before he'll drop it's not always, it doesn't always happen. It can, it's unusual. They have to fly through a lot of flak usually, especially at high tiers. Um, but at a minimum, you're costing him planes to trade, to, 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 to land that damage, right? Which is the same kind of thing, you know, when Zath and I talk about competitive gameplay, we talk about you trade health for position as a surface ship, right? You have to sacrifice health usually to achieve a certain board position. Carrier has to sacrifice planes to achieve a certain amount of damage. It's a trade off, basically. Um, and, and you're right in that in most instances, you can't prevent the first strike. It's the follow-up strikes that you can either impact or, or dissuade entirely. It's one of the reasons that I don't like the Soviet carrier mechanics because AA, again, like, you know, in my mind, AA is a tax that you pay to strike. The Soviet carrier player almost doesn't care. He's only got one strike. Maybe he loses yeah. a couple of planes, and most of those planes drop at a range that he's not going to spend a lot of time in your AA bubble, right? His torpedoes have a long range if he's clever about lighting them right. The skip bombs in particular are nasty because he can drop those from five kilometers and not really spend any meaningful time in your AA. And the skip bombs are arguably the Soviet carrier's nastiest armament, right? Those big, heavy HE hits. So, yeah, I don't like the Soviet carrier mechanics very much. I think they, I think they really take a crap over how the AA works in this game. Yeah, and, and it's also, like you have to you have to take into account that AA diminishes over time depending on how heavily someone's being focused. True, especially by HE spam. So yeah. I think you can easily often end up with scenarios where somebody's AA value is is going down a lot faster than the carrier's planes. Yes, it can. 
Absolutely. And it's one of the things that it's one of the things that I still continue to not like about the A system. There's things that I don't like about the things that I do like about the A system in terms of since they changed it from the old way. In other words, the new one is not RNG based anymore. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, whereas the old one was literally, let's roll dice to see if planes die. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hated that, right? Um, but you're right. I feel like that surface ships in combat, a lot of high explosive shells flying around, you're punished a little more when it carries in a game. Because, like you said, over time, those AA amounts die. They don't regenerate. I feel like for certain, I won't say all ships, but maybe certain classes of ships, there should be a mechanic whereby after so many minutes, if you've still managed to stay in the game, that your AA amounts start to regenerate or, or something. I don't know. I think I think there's more work to be done there. But but the A system is far superior now than it used to be, that's for sure. Or even something, I mean, uh, at the moment, I think Adrenaline Rush gives you... It does. Small boost to AA power, but if there was some yes. dedicated captain skill that you know boosted your AA proportional to the amount, you know, the number of mounts that you've lost, kind of thing. Like, that wouldn't be bad. That, I would. I would invest in that. Yeah, if you were going for a dedicated yeah. AA build, that would be a really useful skill to have. Yeah, I, I like mean, the idea. I would invest in that. I mean, you could make a skill that makes AA mounts regenerate or repairable. Like the thing, the thing that's sad is that I feel like anti-air builds. They, I've tried anti-air builds numerous times with the patches, and they always feel really lackluster. Because, well, you re- uh, even if you spec into full anti-air, it feels like it doesn't make too much of a difference. Because come back to that, you can't prevent the first strike, you can't prevent some follow-up strikes, but usually the amount of planes you shoot down doesn't matter that much afterwards. I feel like if I'm like in my Minotaur, my Des Moines, or my uh, Holland, or so, if I'm an, running an anti-air build or not, I don't impact the amount of planes I shoot down much differently. I don't feel like I can mitigate the damage more if I go for an anti-air build. And especially since you don't always have a carrier, the carrier doesn't always strike you, and it's heavy and heavy points investment into an air build, it's really lackluster what I get as a result for it. Because it feels like... I feel like as a real anti-airship, you should sort of a no-fly zone. You should really be punishing the care for going through. But the, the plane mechanic is so lenient these days that most carriers, I mean, they they can afford to run two or three squadrons into a demon and then attack another target and never really run out of planes. Only if they're really persistent fly into anti-air, they will actually get punished. I feel like the, the current system is way too lenient towards carriers when it comes to anti-air. I, I see your argument to to an extent. I disagree. Um, do you? So I'm going to ask a question. Do you play carrier at all on occasion? Dabble in it at all? Uh, not really. Some of I okay. played some of the uh, hybrids, but okay. so, okay. all right, not really into carriers. Right. So so the hybrids the hybrids don't really suffer from this problem because they don't have the array of squadrons to choose from that a carrier player does. Right. Usually, usually a carrier player has at least three buttons he can click. Um, to choose yes. a squadron as to what he's launched next. Okay. One of the things that AA does that I think a lot of people don't appreciate until you start playing carrier is that in many carriers, not all, I have to clarify, but in many carriers, the, the, the losses you take on a single strike will sometimes impact what you decide to take off your deck next. I mean, Kaga is like the extreme example of this not being the case, right? Because she has three full torpedo squadrons and three full dive bomber squadrons sitting on her deck when the game starts. So it takes a lot of time to troop through those planes. But for many, most carriers, I'll say, if, if you come in with a full strike, you probably don't have a full strike of that exact same plane type sitting on your deck. 
Okay. So if I can inflict enough losses, you probably aren't going to come back with that squadron again, whatever it happened to be. You aren't going to be able to just keep spamming that at me endlessly yes. until I'm dead. So the plane losses I inflict might not feel impactful to me, but they are at least in part driving the choice that the carrier player is about to make when he launches his next squadron, whatever that happens to be. And so you can you can absolutely influence that choice um, when you decide to, uh, especially as a destroyer, right? When you can turn your AA on and off, you know, you can let him inside your AA bubble and then surprise him like, oop, you know, with a, with a, with a good AA strike, you can have fun with him. Um, you can, you can help drive that choice in terms of, you don't always get a pick, but it's like, I'm going to shred enough of these planes. You're not coming back with that garbage anytime soon. While that is true, it's still that, I mean, carriers mostly have at least two kinds of squadrons that can inflict heavy damage and they can still, uh, well, ruin somebody's day. And I mean, if they, if, even if, if they can't come back with the same squadron, if they've been spotting you and took one third of your health off with one strike, then they've already done enough damage and they've suffered what's the inconvenience that they now have to wait two minutes until they do the same thing again. And meanwhile, they have to strike someone with torpedoes. It's, uh, I, I personally just think IA is not in a great piece. It's way too favored towards the carrier. And that's, if, if they at least would address the whole spotting problem, right? Because one of the biggest issues that you face with a carrier is that no matter what planes he chooses, he spots you. And with spotting you, he automatically creates a crossfire. That's one of the biggest issues with, uh, dodging carrier so to speak you're very rarely in a position where you can actually maneuver your ship towards the plane so often it's just you stay full broadside towards the airstrike and take the full brunt of it because turning would be much worse because as soon as you're spotted the first thing you do is not turn towards the planes the first thing is to it's okay where are the enemy battleships how have i how do i have to angle now that i'm spotted that i don't get punished by those and if they'd just made the spotting mechanic different then you could at least you know you could a lot more try to dodge the planes, right? You could play against the carry, but the carrier is oftentimes you have to take the damage just in order to avoid something worse. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I, I you know, they announced this thing a little while ago and I'm going to have to go back and find it. It was a dev blog that they said they were going to yeah. internally test more carrier spotting changes. Uh, where was this? I'm going to, I'm going to do a search here. Yeah, um, I, re I remember the death block. They basically said that planes would only rely position in a certain radius, but I didn't go into detail. So it's possible that you right. could only spot for like 10 kilometers around it. So far away ships wouldn't be able to profit from carrier spotting. Right. And, I, and I've, I've long believed ever since we got to the, the rework in 2019 that, you know, that was something that should be tried. Um, when we when we went to the CC summit uh, in St. Petersburg in 2019, uh, that uh, it was late June that year. That was right after they were fixing the AA balance, right? Because right, like that patch came out while we were in St. Petersburg. Because for those first four to five months of the rework, AA was a disastrous train wreck, and they they finally in about five months in kind of fixed AA to where it functioned again. Um, and we were there for that, so we were talking about all of this stuff. This was a, obviously a very heavy topic, and one of the things they said was that spotting was something that they were keeping an eye on. It was still something like technically on the table to help balance the class, but they, they were trying to hold off on it to, to try other things before they delved into, into tackling the spotting. And I don't know if that's a technical thing. Like, I don't know if like from a server technical perspective, this is challenging to do. You wouldn't think so because how radar works, 
you wouldn't think this is difficult, but I don't know. Um, or if it was more of a game balance decision, like, you know, this, we like the spotting damage. We want to intentionally wait to see if this can be balanced in other ways. But it's something that they keep coming back to, and I keep hoping eventually they'll bring it at least to the live servers for a patch. To, I mean, I guess there's a part of me that wonders sometimes, why not just try things for a patch? Just see what happens. I mean, Wargaming has, well, what they have said a long time ago is that they tried the minimap only spotting. And that they said it's too confusing for people. So that that's like back when we were still CCs, right? It's a topic we often brought up. And Wargaming sounds was always, yeah. guys, guys, we tried this and it didn't work. And we're like, yeah, can we see like the test? Why, why can't we try that at least on test server or something? They said, like, oh, internally we tried this. It's too confusing, despite the fact that the cyclone basically works the same way. Uh, yeah. But the cyclone is not too confusing, right? So it's basically yeah. not not uh, technically. It's just that they are, for some reason, they they don't want to change how spotting works, and I don't understand why. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I don't buy that. I don't buy that explanation. The idea of it's too confusing in a world of cyclones, radar spotting delays, submarine mechanics that change every four to six weeks when we're testing mm -hmm. subs. Don't don't try to don't try to sell me on this is too confusing. I I'm calling BS. You're dumping way more confusing stuff on your players on, on like every every patch. It's fine. Just try it. It is a bit of a convenient yeah. excuse. It does feel that way sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Especially since like the, the the latest iteration that you just mentioned, right, with the planes that have a limited spotting radius is a more confusing version of the minimum spotting only. So they went like, oh, no, no, we can't do minimum spotting only. That's too confusing. But what if we come up with a more confusing method of spotting? <laughs> now i will say something that we haven't talked about let's go back to super carriers for a minute okay one of the things that makes carrier spotting fairly effective is because the planes many many even high tier planes move at a rate that allows you to keep a ship spotted for a meaningful amount of time but now i am going to be serious i'm going to be blown by some of these planes at 300 plus knots right you're going to get a, like, I feel like these super carriers are going to do a lot less spotting damage than a typical tier 10 carrier. Like if you put a midway and a US and tell them, just go play games for a while. I can almost guarantee you that United States will come back with a lower spotting damage total over 10 games because he has two big problems. He's got to deal with one is he only has two squadrons on his deck that can launch fighters. Right, because the the mm -hmm. none of the tactical squadrons can drop fighter planes. The other and the other problem is the tactical squadrons. You're going to want to reach for those when you can, but they move across the map so quickly. Right, you're gonna. I mean, imagine trying to continually spot a destroyer with a jet that you're overflying at literally ten times faster than he's moving. Good luck. Like, whew, your 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 team's not going to get a lot of value out of that. They're going to get some. Don't get me wrong, but not nearly as much as they would off of those midway planes. It, it takes a, a fast reaction of your team, right? But the thing is, you, you, you are, I don't know, you're spotting more in quantity in a sense, I think, because you're so fast, you can basically fly over the entire map in, in just like 30 seconds or so. So you mm. can literally spot the entire enemy team if you want to and give a lot of value with the position. How many people would be able to get shots off? That's another matter, right? Because if they are really only spotted like for a few seconds, it depends on your team being positioned. So it might very well be that uh, still, people don't still, get shot that much. 
potentially high value in that, though, knowing yeah. which flank a particular destroyer is on, even if you're not then hovering around and enabling your your allies to uh, to, to actually shoot at them. You know, knowing, knowing that the humor is over on this side, for example, uh, it, you know that that could be really really valuable for a destroyer player on your own team or a radar cruiser player or something, and, and knowing where to go next. So. But, but let's not like just because you can't hover over somebody, uh, it doesn't doesn't mean that the the spotting you're giving isn't of of high value, nonetheless. I agree with you, I don't disagree with you. I just know that the majority of the complaining we hear about spotting is spotting damage. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. There's value in simply, especially early in the match, in knowing the position of a ship. But all these tax squadrons don't. I mean, the the, the smallest cooldown is two and a half minutes. Well, by the three-minute mark, you could have planes in the middle of the board looking around. But by the three-minute mark, some of your teams probably already made contact anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and they and and this is still early days. They may still play with that number. Who knows? Um, but I, I I agree with you that you know later on in the game you can do a quick flyover and be like, okay, where is everybody? Let's take a quick let's take a quick spin around the backfield and have a look. The other thing that I, I notice as I'm looking at these these super carrier stats is again, especially I keep coming back to tactical squadrons. It almost makes me wonder if we're going to see a return to the idea of carrier snipes because you know i one of the things i pointed out i did a first look video on hornet i think earlier this week and one of the things that i pointed out is that you know most players are used to um certainly like the tier 8 lexington has an amazing anti-aircraft sweep like good luck trying to get meaningful aerial strikes on a lexington but hornet is an early war build she doesn't have a tremendous amount of mid-range aa that you're used to seeing out of the american boats she's actually Kind of somewhat vulnerable to a to a carrier snipe, in my opinion, especially from something like a Pobeda. That you know, right? They can drop those skip bombs at long range where the A is not that dangerous. Now you look at these tactical squadrons that can zip across the map with these big, these big, impactful, high damage attacks. Yes, they're on a long cooldown, but if you're able to spot the carrier long enough for maybe a battleship to get a salvo or two in, and then you can land some of these rockets or dive bombs or something. Carrier snipes might be a little more a little more of a thing depending on the position of the opposing carrier and how how smartly he cons his ship. Certainly true, right? Because one of the downsides of trying a carrier uh, snipe is that you fly very long until you like reach the enemy carrier, and you sometimes waste a lot of time. And you might have to like avoid all the other ships that have anti air suits, so you have to fly even longer to get there. But if you can just zip over there with like your your rocket aircraft. It's not gonna be like at the start of the game because you might have to wait for a cooldown. But if if like at the six minute map with mark, like with your dive bombers ready, you can finish him off. That's already be a tremendous accomplishment, right? Yeah, but but be be realistic though. I mean we, we know if there's any problems with with you know carriers being affected at all, even by other carriers, Wargaming will immediately rush to do an emergency patch within mere days. Whereas if it's problems with any other classes or ships, you know, you might have to wait a couple of months. <laughs> carriers, obviously, you know, Wargames little precious. <laughs> That's how it feels sometimes, anyway. I don't know. I, I, just I mean, even, I, I, don't, I don't feel that way at all. Like, just last night, I was, I was playing, I was streaming, and I ended up in a game with uh, a carrier sniping div. I didn't even notice it, didn't even realize it, until my chat pointed it out to me. I was playing a Haida in a bottom tier in this game, and it was a, it was a Kaga and two Musashis on my team. 
that apparently sniped the opposing Shokaku. I wasn't even paying attention. I was involved oh, okay. in something else. And like halfway through the game, I looked up and I was like, the opposing carrier's dead. And I had people in my chat going, yeah, there's a sniping div on your team. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Look at that. You know, so the mechanics, people who are literally want to get out there and, you know, go carrier hunting, like the mechanics already exist for that. The I'm talking specifically about the the carrier versus carrier snipe, right? Because that has always been, you know, back in the day, back the old RTS system, mm. that was totally a thing, right? A really good carrier player, you know, the Farazellas and Femininities of the world could, if they really wanted to, could probably make that work, could probably get across the map and snipe out the opposing carrier and then not have to worry about, worry about it most of the match. Um, in the new system, the way combat air patrols work and with the limited alpha strike potential of, of the, of the carrier since the rework, it's not very common to see, right? Most players like, like, like uh, Adam said, don't bother with it. It takes, it takes me 90 seconds, two minutes to fly across the map to find him. And then I get one, maybe two strikes if I do really well. I mean, I've hit him, but only the, the advantage there is that while I'm spotting him, maybe some battleships popped a spotter plane and thrown shells at him. That helps. But the carrier on carrier alone snipe kind of gone out of fashion these last few years. I look at these super carriers and I wonder, this, not, this might be a thing coming back, right? Like, hmm. But didn't didn't Wargaming like punish some people for that, ban some accounts for CV sniping because according to them, it's griefing? What they is if memory serves that we had we had some folks on NA that would go out in either double kid Akazuki or double Akazuki kid divisions. Yeah, and, and just go for would, the carrier. Right, exactly. They would potentially work through the middle of the map or whatever they had to do to work back in the backfield until they could assassinate the carrier because that kind of a div is essentially immune to aerial strike. Like it's almost impossible to get to get through that level of AA, especially with the kids. So um if memory serves, like they weren't punished for doing that as if if i recall correctly and i won't pretend i'm an expert on this it's been a couple of years i think um they kind of got a little slapped because of kind of the trash talk and the language they were using in chat or on their streams i can't remember because one of them one of them i think one of them was a cc at the time um i can't remember but there, you're right there was a whole thing about it but again like is, as long as you just zone in and, and just play your game I mean, those guys that were playing last night, double Musashi Kaga, they didn't get punished for that. The opposing team, the opposing carrier was probably pretty torqued at them, but what are you going to do? Turn your engines on before the game starts. I mean, when the game starts, figure that out. Look across the map and realize what's about to happen to you. Start trying to move. Don't sit still. Yeah, some carriers still haven't figured out that they're not playing an airfield. <laughs> That's exactly right. You are not an airfield, kids. <laughs> Bureau of Shipbuilding gave you engines for a reason. I suggest you use them. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think like the the super carriers are gonna are they actually gonna be tested with the next patch? Like, are they coming to random battles? Because I mean, we, we are now said? testing super ships, right? I'm I'm wondering. I'm I'm not sure if I've read something about that. Let's see. Um, uh, yes, they're coming. They're coming in eleven point one for testing, according to this dev blog post back on the thirteenth of February. They're adding um, Maya. Hornet and Yorktown, and then Eagle and U.S. And they haven't yet announced, they've given us the stats on Hornet, they haven't given us the stats on Yorktown, so we don't know what we're getting into there. Um, but then, of course, they, we've got stats on Eagle and U.S., and I guess, I guess, here's what, here's the thing, is like, you can't, from a matchmaking perspective, you can't put a super carrier in a game 
with a normal carrier and call that balanced. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think. So if you're queuing up at a super carrier, you might be waiting for a while. Mm. Break my heart. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm not upset by this. But I'm just saying, like, that's something else they're going to have to consider from a testing perspective is that you want people to test a super carrier. They've already got, I mean, carriers already have restrictive matchmaking. Now you're going to restrict it even further because only a handful of people are going to have tier 11 aircraft carriers. Well, I mean, for the testing, if they do it like the super ships currently, right, you just get uh, the bundle then a lot of people will have them. So I presume, and with the jet planes, it's a new shiny mechanic. There's probably going to be a lot of super carriers. And there's probably a lot of people who have no idea how to play them because they don't actually play carriers. They just want to see shiny, shiny jet planes. I sincerely hope Wargaming considers that for any balancing. Well, and I, uh, it encourages me that, like at least on NA, I'm not sure. I don't know the EU community contributors as well as I probably should, but I know on NA we have at least two very competent um, people in the CC program who will dive into that. I know Guy Shu was one and Rainbow is another one who are both kind of, I won't say CV mains, but certainly very knowledgeable, very skilled at the class since the rework. Um, I'm sure they'll be taking that to task. Super testing, I don't know. I don't know that prog- program. I've never been a part of it. So I can't speak to that, but I know there are, we have at least a, uh, some people on the uh, NA side that will be diving deep into that and offering their opinions. So here's hoping. Well, I mean, uh, besides the exciting use of supercarriers, there are also some changes to test ships that I don't think we care too much about because, well, they're test ships anyway. We can't Probably really... the, the most notable thing that maybe is worth just a brief mention is that the uh, Italian destroyers are all getting at least some kind of range increase, even if it's like 100 meters. I think the tier 10 is now reaching almost 10 kilometers, something like that. Now, did I miss this? Where was this announced? Was this, is this, this wasn't the one that went up yesterday. This was previously? Uh, oh, no, here it is from a few days ago. Yeah. I, I got uh, it now. Just to test ships, it'll be. I got it. I so some more things like Canarius and uh, Dido, Sevastopol. But, yeah, it, it, they've tweaked the uh, reloads, ranges, and uh, detectability of a lot of these ships. Yeah, that'll be good. I haven't actually sat down to pour into the stats of these yet. Um, um, I like to do my first look videos kind of after we've uh, got all the ships in our port. They just gave us the odd numbered uh, Italian destroyer. And, and, and do some videos on these and have a look. I had never I have never looked at the stats of these ships. I remember the my chat at one point telling me that they all had like gun ranges lower than their detection range. And I went. What? <laughs> yeah, they're definitely uh, interesting. Just going by the I'm, stats. I mean, the, the yeah, I, I never understood the full design philosophy behind the Italians, but, you know, I mean, they are testing, so we will see what it comes. But they, they had not YOLO torpedoes, but YOLO guns. And, you know, YOLOing in with your guns is a very short process, usually. <laughs> And hey, in low uh, tier, low tier and mid tier, sure. In high tier, no, that's a death sentence. <laughs> but you know, I mean, uh, we will see what comes of the Italians, right? When they come out of testing, I mean, there is, we are, we are still only at the hmm. uh, first stage of the Pan Asian, so it's probably two more months before Italians are released or something. So there is probably mm-hmm. a lot of changes there. 
Yeah, given given that they are uh, quite an unusual branch, they might take a little more time to play with them. Like they're definitely not a standard line of destroyers. No, any uh, stretch of the imagination. No, it makes it uh, hopefully. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember way back in the day when they were testing the British light cruisers. Those ships went through one of the longest test cycles I can remember any new line going through because they they struggled to to find a place and figure out where they were going to land. Right? Mm. They went through like three major overhauls of that line before they finally landed where they are today and 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 pushed them out the door. Um, hopefully, the Italians don't come to that. I'm willing to bet their development schedule can't handle that kind of delay these days. They've got too much on the slate based on what I've seen the last few years. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably come more to temp with, with the roadmap, but these days it looks like Wargaming has very tight timetables and it's just like has to be finished then. And if it's not, then who cares? It's going to go out the door. Yep. We will we, we'll have time to fix it in the years to come or something like that, which yep. surprised we'll, me. We'll fix that it on live. really surprised me that I haven't pushed submarines out yet. But... Yeah, that's unusually restrained of them. Yeah, that, that's... <laughs> well... So I think it makes sense, though, because if you go back, you know, even Wargaming will tell you now, I don't, I don't think they admitted this two or three years ago, but carriers were not ready, right? They were not ready yeah. when they were released in June, January 2019. They weren't ready. Um, you might have made a case for, well, the planes and the damage are kind of balanced. It would have been a weak case, but you might have made a case. But at no point in the cycle was the AA test, AA system even tested. It was mm-hmm. five months later before they finally got around to fixing anti-aircraft to where it had caught up with what they had done with with planes, right? And so you can go back and look. It's demonstrably provable that for the first two full quarters of 2019, fewer people played World of Warships, right? You can see the impact of the chaos and the carry work on the daily logins. And I think that they're taking the lesson that they've learned from that going – all right, we you know we can get away with some things, but this level, this scope of chaos just drives people away, and so let's not do that again. And I I applaud them for having learned the lesson the first time and not going through it again. Well, I mean, sort of, but the thing is that we've had for months submarines basically sort of fully integrated. I mean, you couldn't research them, but everybody had True. them. Everybody could unlock them, and they were full part of the battles. So just because they didn't call it a release didn't diminish the impact of submarines on the game. So they were there, they were fully implemented, and people had to deal with all the, the nonsense. And what I wish they would have done was briefer tests, like test them for two weeks, then collect feedback, then go through the data and then apply the next changes. And not just like after two weeks, make a dev log about in three weeks, we'll apply those changes. But for three weeks, we continue to test the obsolete product. Now have fun. So they sort yeah. of uh, didn't quite understand the way to, to properly test stuff. And I like that idea. The Desinic in me says that the only reasons they've removed submarines from testing is because they wanted to test soup machines and the, uh, super ships and they didn't want to have two tests simultaneously to screw up the data. So the only reason they stopped testing submarines for now is like that. Well, okay, we will have two months of super ship testing and then we'll come back to submarine. That, that's the cynic in me. I mean, obviously, I did better. I, Hopefully, the idea was that they're like, oh, crap, we have no idea how to do submarines. We need to really think hard about this again. But uh, it's it's a bit suspicious that they only 
were removed once they wanted to test something else. I guess for me, I have not felt super ships having really much of an impact in the game at all. Part of that is because I enjoy playing tier six and seven, right? I don't, I don't play tier 10 a lot, mostly because I find the overwhelming majority of those games, you know, steamroll one way or the other too quickly. And I just, I don't enjoy that. So I vastly prefer playing mid tiers. When I have play high tier, I haven't seen too many of these things. Um, and if they are in a game to me, I'm like, eh, it's another battleship, right? Or it's another destroyer or whatever. Um, so far, the super ships to me have not really felt all that impactful. Um, I will say that I feel like the super carriers will feel more impactful. When I see one of those in a game, I'm going to go, oh, that's going to be interesting, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to and dreading that moment simultaneously because I legitimately <laughs> do want to see them perform to be like, to, to kind of gauge it from the other side of the screen. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I'm up against, I'm up against this, this Eagle or United States. How does my Fletcher AA do in this situation? Well, against his normal planes, it works. Against his jets, it's a waste of time. Whatever, like whatever that works. I want to actually want to have that experience just so I can learn for myself. Um, but I am kind of dreading it. <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think, yeah, it's definitely the fact that they're CVs rather than super ships that is going to be the more impactful part of the equation. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for, for two reasons, because we don't have uneven CV. Right now, they are tier 11 CVs, so they're breaking the rule of, of only even tiered carriers. And the other thing is then CVs at tier 10 already have a tremendous impact on the game because they are so versatile and they're spotting and so on. And that that gets very easily pushed a level higher than than the regular ship that has a very limited uh, effect on just the area around it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, super ships, they only affect tier 10 battles. Obviously, there aren't that many around. And in the end of the day, it's not like tier 10 is that equally balanced. So you could argue that some of the existing tier 10s might already be scratching super ship territory anyway. Nakimal feels that way to me. I absolutely despise seeing that ship in a game. I'm just kind of like... How did this make it past testing? And you're already seeing, like, in, this, in one of these patches, like, they're already nerfing the ship. Good. Good, I'm, yes. as far as I'm concerned. But they're already starting to scale it back. And I'm kind of going, it can't, that can't come fast enough. Because I, like I said earlier, I really don't like the Soviet carrier mechanics. Which brings us neatly to the balance changes. Because one of those is exactly that the Nakimov loses, like, one skip bomb of its squadron. But while while this is a start, I highly doubt that this is going to change overly much. I'm not sure how it will affect the. I uh, like uh, how it affects like the drop pattern, right? If if it's just like a narrow drop, then or if the skip bombs will just spread more in inside this, so without seeing like the the drop pattern change, it's hard to say how much that will do actually. And the other thing is, what you also have to keep in mind is the, the torpedo bombers are really brutal because they are so narrow that uh, the top spread of the. And if you're a battleship and you could got broad, you are caught broadside, you, you're eating them all, right? There is nothing you can do. And additionally, that's heavy damage that you can't heal much back from, which is especially impactful when you're in a battleship. Yeah, well, and it's impactful on any ship with a heal, really. And torpedo bombers, they aren't even like, 
Skip and torpedo bombers are nothing that drops on top of your head, not like dive bombers, which means they're less affected by anti-air once again, because, you know, they drop before the planes start dying, so knock him off. Like, it feels like Wargaming has balanced knock him off around. Yeah, okay, so we only have one uh, squadron that drops, so basically every plane shot down reduces the amount of damage that's being done. So let's just make them to have like 50% more damage than we should. So if they only balance, if you shoot down half of the squadron, right? But nobody shoots down half of the squadron, so they're just overperforming. Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, to me, the Soviet carriers take everything about the AA system we have now that functions well and craps all over it. Because it's a single drop, you don't have to worry about um, the, the tax that, you know, the AA tax that the Soviet carrier play, pays is generally so much less than a, an equivalent Japanese or German or British or American carrier that it just feels dumb. And, and I honestly think the torpedoes, that narrow spread, the torpedoes could be brought back into line, into balance if they didn't have so much range. I don't understand why they have a six kilometer drop range. You know, I've already got the skip bombers, which are basically like, look at your A bubble and go, I'm going to drop from outside that. I don't care about your AA. And then and then you've got the torpedoes, which you will probably drop those at. You'll probably drop those before you get into his mid range or probably around the four kilometer mark. Right. Some people yeah. will push in closer, but like in general, four kilometers is pretty good. They're not the f- slowest torpedoes, but they're not the fastest. They're OK. They hit decently hard and they have six kilometers of range. So if he wants to drop them way back, he can. Right. He could just be like, mm, I'll drop these out here. And again, I won't really struggle with your A at all. And it's, oh, it's so many things I don't like about the Soviet carriers. Yeah. And that's combined with the narrow spread, because if other carriers drop far enough away, right, at least there is there are gaps. So you can yes. easier like avoid at least part of the strike. But because of that narrow spread and the large range, they can drop from far away and still hit all of the tops unless you're very maneuverable or you're, you are even like you even need to be allowed to maneuver, right? As we said earlier, because you might be like angled against the other enemy battleship. You can't just turn yep. full broadside to, to avoid. So it's wargaming. That, that's what it is like, because wargaming tried to sell the Soviets with, hey, now your anti-air is going to be even better because it directly reduces the amount of damage that the planes do. Oh, by the way, those planes are dropping so far away that anti-air won't matter. It's like they tried to advertise them as, you know, hey, Antia matters more now, and they made them so Antia doesn't matter a bit. It's it's uh, sad. But at least, you know, one less skip bomber. Maybe we'll actually see them balanced in a year or two. Well, and we'll have to see how this goes, right? Because one of the things that I don't know if you guys have caught this over the last few years, right? Wargaming has hit this mode where they they do small nerfs, little incremental nerfs, right? But sometimes you'll see yeah. them do them three, four, five, six patches in a row, right? There was a stretch last year or the year before. I think it was last year. Jutland, tier nine J- British destroyer Jutland got nerfed like five straight patches, a little more, a little more, a little more. And so when they start this process... Right. When you see them, okay, we're going to take one of Nakimov's skip bomber planes away. You almost wonder what's coming next month. Right now for this ship, I'm saying, bring it on. But for some ships, you know, when I see that process begin, I kind of, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck go up like, how bad is this going to get? <laughs> well, I mean, but then on the other time, they, they nerf Petro like with a half second reload. And then they're like, so our work here is done. Petro is no balanced. Right? <laughs> and it's like, are you guys serious? Like people complain about this ship for like years and then they're like, yeah, okay, 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 you're right. We, we, we now gonna, but in mind, we do incremental balance changes now. We, we make them small, like half a second reload. Oh yeah, no, that fixed everything. 
I, I, I played on. that the other day for the first time in ages and felt so dirty doing it. <laughs> Petro, <laughs> Petro's problem, though, is just... Petro's problem has never been her offense, right? Petro's, yeah. the, the thing that makes Petro so stupid is how hard she is to kill, right? She sits three inches off the water with an armor scheme that laughs off most cruiser shells, and it's just, just like, oh, my God. I'll tank against the Amato at six Exactly. <laughs> like... In the meantime, her guns can, her guns, like individually, individual salvos from Petro, unless you're in really close ranges, tend to not be that impactful, right? Yeah. Because, but the problem is because she's so damn hard to kill, she gets so many salvos, it adds up over time. And that, that's, that's what I find also so sad, right? Because they, it was a token of, right? They didn't address the problem just because so many people complained about it. And they wanted some good press. They were like, okay, we, we listen, we listen. And then they did a change that did nothing. And now they pretend it's fixed. It reminds me that it, I think it was in a balancing article last year. There was a long article about balancing, how to balancing. And they brought up the case of the Thunderer. And basically they stated they, that the problem was that the ship was like to accredit and did too much damage at long range. And so I was, they, they said like, okay. They now have isolated the problem and they had no idea how to fix it. So they, I don't know, nerfed whatever acceleration like, shorten her range it, start yeah. taking gun range away <laughs> make her move yeah, it closer <laughs> yeah but it, it's like they basically listed the problem and then they said yeah but they didn't know the solution so they nerfed something completely unrelevant with it <laughs> and then they were like and then after years or so they they finally found the solution and they nerfed the range and they like they wrote this as this was a masterpiece of geniuses that were faced <laughs> with an insurmountable problem and by a course of years of study they finally figured out a way to that that's how they wrote it right but it's such a hilarious article because they identified the problem early on and they're like we have no idea how to fix this let's do something completely different it's, sometimes I think sometimes they're a little too conservative for their own good. I I understand the hesitancy to make broad sweeping changes to a system that is working. You can argue the balance all day, right? But working, yeah. it works, okay? So I can understand the reluctance there. But there are times I think, especially with individual ships, it's worth saying, all right, I have 12 months of data that says the ship performs at this level whatever this level is. I don't think it should perform 5% below that. So let's change something. Let's change, pick something, nerf the reload, yeah. nerf the range, do something, throw it on the live server and see what happens. Right. Um, you know, Petro to me, I, I, I don't have this data, but I promise you somewhere Wargaming could spit out a table that would show you how many seconds in an average game, the tier 10 cruisers live. Right. Mm -hmm. They could they could build you a little bar chart that showed this cruiser lives the longest and this one the second and so on. And I can almost guarantee you that Petra would be at the top of that list. Right. And probably would would probably blow away whoever's in second place. And you have to wonder. Why they don't start. Leaning, hmm. This ship is a real outlier. Why don't we kind of bring it down a little bit? It's the first. Ship, think about it for the last two King of the Seas. The players have banned the ship. Not Wargaming. Yeah. The players have voted and said, we don't want to deal with this garbage. Get it off my game. That should tell you. That alone should tell you. When you get that kind of vote and that kind of reaction, it should tell you you have a problem. Mm. And what's and yet nothing. And so sometimes I'm like you guys. I look at the balance department and I go, I don't know what you guys are doing over there. I don't know what's driving these decisions. But, man, this is frustrating. I, um, I have enjoyed, though, these last, what, three to four months? It feels like they're starting to communicate a little better. 
I don't know, like the roadmap is a great example of that. And we'll talk about that later. But there's been like these submarine posts, right? We can all, again, I'm, I'm not happy with where submarines are. Don't mistake me. But my point is that when they, when they come in and they do one of these big data dump submarine posts, they give you the data. They go into it. Here's what we think. Here's what we're trying to get to. And so we, I want more of that. Right. I realize it takes time to write that stuff up, but I would I appreciate that communication. I would love to see a quarterly a quarterly dump like that from the balance department. You know, things that we're actively going to change in the next quarter, things that we're keeping an eye on because they worry us, things that you guys have maybe complained about that we've looked at the data and it's not okay. Like maybe maybe even just those three bullet points once every three once every 90 days. Just let us you know, let us know where your head's at. I think that'd be awesome. It's arguably one of the good things that that came out of the uh, CC uh, rework. The, uh, <laughs> the CC rework. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. Putting it. But, yeah, uh, no, I agree with you. It is it is one of the best things that came out of it, and we've uh, we've told them that like several times. We've been in there and said things like, you know, um, I, I know several of the NACCs at a minimum have gone in there and told them, guys, you know, communication is better. Thank you. We're we appreciate it. We can we can tell the difference. Hmm. I mean, I, I like the new level of communication, although I have to say, like, for example, the, the long submarine post is that it's, it was a bit of a propaganda piece because they, they deliberately picked data to show what they wanted and they couldn't help themselves at certain times go like, oh, we've listened to the community, but you were totally wrong because our data shows otherwise, even though they weren't. Like, it, it, it really read off like a justification propaganda piece for all the bad calls they made, in, in a sense. But it gives you something to argue about because you can point out, at least you can point out the flaw in the data. And that's something that we never had the, the option of because they used to just tell you like you're wrong and you can't argue against you're wrong, right? But you can, if they present data, then you can argue against the data. So it's a good basis for discussion. So I, I like that. Yep. Um, so. Yeah, well, what else do we actually have on this list? <laughs> yeah, you can have the other notable balance changes are, yeah. I guess, the There's Germans. Actually- Because, are uh, oh, you sorry? I was going to say, I'm, I'm a little bummed to see some of these balance changes to the Germans that are not named Schlieffen, right? <laughs> Schlieffen needs its leash yanked. That ship is ridiculous. Mm. Um, the other ships having, you know, the, um, uh, the hydro range pulled in and so on and so forth. I'm like, you know, I could, I, I could, I kind of could take it or take it or leave it. Right. But, um, Schlieffen secondaries absolutely need to get nerfed. That ship is, stupid yeah they've taken the, the reload time down by a little bit we'll see if that happens again in future but yeah it's not it's not the biggest change and i don't i don't think it's going to make a tremendous difference it, it also won't be the last i can yeah. i can i'll if, if they if they, if schlieffen doesn't get nerfed again in 11.2 i'll eat my hat I can almost guarantee you this is the first of this is the first of several consecutive patches of nurse for that ship. It's coming. I mean, in a way, it's not it's not a bad thing that they they do it more incrementally to get it to the level where you know that that's that's better. But uh, I completely agree. It, it maybe more speaks to uh, the process whereby the ship got into the game in that state to begin with kind of thing like there's still still some big question marks over there rather than 
the uh, the process by which it's brought down to a more reasonable level. It's also interesting that they're basing their nerfs based on the data of a patch where second has been destructible. Yes, and that's been pointed out to them, right? Since this since this posted yesterday, um, I've seen some comments go back and forth to them, basically going, "Guys, you realize you released this in a patch where none of these secondaries could be destroyed." And you're already nerfing the secondaries. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the secondaries need a little bit of tuning, but I feel like that you know this you know this nerf combined with the data they're going to gather this patch might bring the ship into more into line quicker than we think. I don't know. I just know that this system is better than the old Yu Yang system, where a ship that we ship that people like and enjoying mm-hmm. or playing gets us gets sledgehammered into oblivion. Because somebody snapped their fingers, right? The, the the incremental nerf system is far better than the old way they used to do it. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem generally with the secondary nerfs. The secondaries are performing a little bit too well, and it doesn't seem like a major change. So I'm fine with them doing that, generally speaking. The hydro nerf, I'm okay with too. Like the, the Germans, I'm not sure why they had so powerful hydro. They basically had, I think, like the cruiser hydro. It used to take yeah. the, the other German battleship line until tier 10, until they got like a six kilometer. And the, the hydro was, uh, a lot was worse, right? And so the, the new line got better hydro. So bringing that sort of in line and then having the Schlieffen stay at 5.5 to maybe give it a difference to the Kurfürst, I'm fine with it. It's still good hydro. It's mm-hmm. still better hydro than most cruisers. Yes. And uh, the second nerf, I'm okay with it. But what I, the cynic in me has to really uh, also realize is that the Nakimov hasn't been nerfed immediately after release, right? That's something that they were like, oh, yeah, no, the first thing they nerfed is they made it more convenient to drop that the first balance change of the Nakimov that was, I think, before Christmas or so, after it was released, was like, uh, I think some camera changed and they're like, oh, we made it a bit more convenient for those to drop. That That's what after gathering Nakimov data for a month or two or so. That's felt what, stayed, what was needed with Nakimov. But the Schlieffen, despite only having faulty data with secondaries uh, being in, uh, invulnerable, they're like, yep, we feel confident to nerf after this. I mean, don't misunderstand. I'm okay with what they are doing. But once again, the cynic me points out that there definitely seems to be a double standard how certain ships are balanced. I think it's quickly. a quantity. I think it's a quantity problem. Fewer players play carriers to begin with. And then among that subset, only an even smaller subset will heavily invest in a early release, a new, a new line to race up to the tier 10 to get it quickly. And so let's say, let's just pick a number. Let's say that Wargaming wants 10,000 live data from data from 10,000 live games to be able to really feel like they have a comfortable data set to start evaluating a ship's performance. For Schlieffen, that took almost no time at all. People figured out very quickly the line was fun. They saw these ships being played. They spent their doubloons or their time or whatever, and they got got the ship. Schlieffen's everywhere, right? They're great. They look like fun ships. I don't own one yet, but they look like fun. The Russian carriers, one, were a carrier, so you're already going to get fewer people interested. And then it's Russian, which means even fewer people look at it and go, eh. You know, because Soviet aircraft carriers, are we serious, guys? And so, <laughs> it, it, again, if we if we if we assume mentally for a minute that they need X base of, you know, how many thousand games to feel like they have a big enough data set, I think it took them longer to get there with Nakamov. I think that's why you're seeing it take this long. 
I mean, I understand your reasoning, but that basically leads back to to that basically meme almost of Wargaming not playing their own game because it feels like, you know, obviously if you only base it on statistic, it takes a certain number of time to build it. But if you mm-hmm. actually play against an Akimov or, or play it yourself or so, you figure out real quickly that there is something that's a bit overperforming. So this You're is basic. Wrong. So basically it just goes back to... Yeah, maybe they should be playing their game a little bit and not only looking at their spreadsheets so much. <laughs> there are some I mean there are some other things on this uh page. I mean Fen Yang and Smasher, which are basically the same ship, uh getting some slight buffs. Uh, which it obviously <laughs> was like I I think people have known for a while that the few people that play either ship know that they don't perform very well. So that just confirms that, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I still think even with the slight damage buff, they're not going to be uh, particularly amazing. Uh, I was glad... There's a whole bunch of Go ahead. Uh, acceleration changes as well. So the incomparable, that was uh, a, a bug people picked up on very quickly was the uh, the acceleration curve was incorrect when you were using the engine boost. So that's that's going to be fixed. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of other things, like the Henri is actually getting a bit of a buff in terms of time it takes for the engine to reach full power. Uh, the Targos, Leone, some carriers, uh, and a couple where if the engine is damaged, that the uh, acceleration will be slightly either slightly better or slightly worse. So that's that's, that's I, this is this is the kind of thing where I think they've been looking at all, all the. Uh, the graphs and the twirling that Little White Mouse does and have finally cohesively decided to, uh, uh, you know, fix it all in one go kind of thing. I'm I'm glad to see Henri's nerf getting rolled back a little bit, right? If you remember the last mm-hmm. major nerf bat that Henri got hit with was them just destroying her acceleration curve mm-hmm. so that she had a harder time speed juking at long range. They're They're pulling that in a little bit, and I think it's needed because... Henri is a great ship still, but you just, as soon as they hit it with the nerf bat, it's like people dropped it like a hot potato, right? You quit seeing the yeah. ship. It started, it started to make a bit of a comeback, a bit of an inroads. People are finding with the new, with the new commander skills changes, people are finding unique ways to play that ship. The infamous lighthouse build, for example, like legendary Henri. Um, but I still think this is a good change and I'm glad to see them do it with the carrier, the carrier acceleration saying, is that in here? Right? Oh, this is only tier 10 carriers. Um, I love that though. I love that. And the reason for that is a stationary carrier should be punishable. Mm. He should be punished. And if this is telling me that it takes him 60, they're doubling the time it takes him to reach full power. So that means if your midway is sitting still somewhere, cause you haven't been paying attention and I get a battleship mm. salvo at it. I can just probably aim right at you because it's going to take you a lot longer to get moving. And I'm, I'm fine with this. I think this is a great idea. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that, right. Uh, I mean, as a, a carrier is a class that's basically based around map awareness in, in a lot of ways because you need to pick your targets because you can strike everywhere. So map awareness is one of the most important skills. And maybe it trains... Uh, probably doesn't, but maybe it, uh, like carriers are often the ones that get surprised so often by the destroyer that has been pinged three times by the team that comes around to hunt them and they don't even spot it and they don't move. So yeah. at, at, at least now, if they really uh, don't pay attention to anything, they're getting punished a bit. So I like it. Mm.
Well, we'll see. We'll, I think that's the intended effect, but whether players will then actually, you know, <laughs> comply with what Wargaming uh, would like the change to actually be, uh, we'll see. Why would they start now? <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. uh, by, by the way, coming back to, to the Feng Yang and the Ship Smasher, it's nice to see finally a buff for, for those, but it's still going to be one of the worst ships in the entire game, and its only purpose is to set yourself a challenge or make yourself suffer. Like I have still no idea what they were thinking with 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 those ships and why they still haven't been addressed. But I mean, nobody plays them as a result. Yeah, Fen Fen Yang is a miserable experience. If you if you go if you play Akizuki, and then you immediately jump into a Fen Yang, you go, "What the hell is this?" Mm. Right? They're supposed to be the same ship, the same. They ain't close, man. They ain't even close. Oh, it's so terrible. It's an awful experience. It's like worse in literally everything. For no reason. Except anti-aircraft. Why? Because Fen Yang gets defensive fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got Which better. I always wanted I, I always wanted Akizuki to have. Yeah. Uh, well, may- maybe... Maybe it's the some, uh, the start of some incremental changes. Maybe they'll bring those ships to a playful state. It, it's a shame because the ship smasher is a beautiful looking ship, but I've mm-hmm. played it I think once or twice, and uh, never since because I I mean I had the Fen Young right, and I got the ship smasher. Uh, it looks really good in the core. Of, yeah, I just wanted the orc captain. Although you could also get them from a mission, but I still had the, the free doubloons from my CC day, so I, I just got myself the ship smasher. But yeah, I've played it once and then realized why I've never played my Fen Yang since its release, and uh, was sad. I think I played it maybe one or two times that first week it was released, and then I've never even looked at it again. I was just like, this ship makes me sad. It makes me sad that development time was spent on this. Well, I mean, they, they copied an existing skin, so there wasn't that much developing time on it. Yeah, but again, you spent some time on it, Yeah, right? You spent, mm-hmm. I mean, you spent something. Hopefully you made enough money to recoup your inv- your development time, but yikes. <laughs> yikes. It, it also feels so weird because it's it's not like it's it's impossible to fix. You just need to tweak some stats and you have an already made ship, right? It should be a lot cheaper to fix that ship and sell it more than to... But Wargaming, sometimes they, they just make silly premiums that are just awful. Nobody wants them. And then they're like, yep, okay, let's uh, move on. Instead yep. of uh, actually, you know, fixing them. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think we can move on to to like the roadmap. Or was there anything else? In the one, one last thing to mention: Black is losing three seconds of its oh. base rate or time. That's that's it for that list. Otherwise, I'm a I'm a Fletcher fanboy, and I'm okay with this because yeah. I love I love my Black, but the little smoke radar trick is kind mm-hmm. of ridiculous. So if they feel like it needs a little bit of a, a tune, I'm okay. I think it's fine. It's still, it's still like even you can still buff that to be over twenty seconds. It's still, yeah, it's still very strong. It's still, still a powerful little uh, ship, especially in a division. That's yes. not really going to change that. No, it's still very strong. It it hurts, 
oh, well, life goes on. This I look at the nerf to black the same way I look at the nerf to Stalingrad. The nerfs now, multiples to Stalingrad. It hurts a little bit. I paid steel for this ship, but it's better for the overall balance of the game mm-hmm. that the ship get a little bit of a le- – uh, get its, its leash yanked a little bit. I'm okay. It's fine. All it practically means is it's a little bit less time for your allies to shoot at it rather than – Exactly. Exactly. Anything else especially. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So we're on to the, uh, the roadmap, I believe. Which I did watch about half of the actual live stream. I'm glad they've put it in an article because uh, yeah, it went on for quite a while. Yeah, I missed the I missed the stream completely because I was working. So the article has been all I've got to work on, and, and this is there's actually a lot of good stuff in here. Yeah, I mean I didn't see the stream either, but uh, thankfully they have this lovely article, and they have uh, even made it nicely into three parts, starting with basically winter. So what's what's happening right now, more or less. And I mean, we already knew that the Canaries was coming, so they, they, it's the first ship of the new nation, so probably a teaser that there is more to come, although I don't think a Spanish line has been announced so far, but it's yeah, only I mean, a matter we of time. On previously, and, and, you know, if there was going to be like Spanish battleships, for instance, it'd be a lot of essentially like, uh, Vickers and other shipyard company designs. So, you know, designs that were actually put on paper, but never actually, you know, nobody ever actually bought them or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it is interesting to see. Like, it, it's been the last of the uh, the European nations that, that had any kind of semi-substantial navy that we've not had in-game already. Uh, I think there was something in the live stream of there's going to be some kind of event and you will have the choice of either getting the Canarius or HMS Dido but not both as a, as a, like a, a thing you can grind out, but I don't think no. the article. Surely they're not going to make you pick one or the other. Surely they're going to allow you to pick up the other one that you didn't. It's just like a thing where you grind out one for free and then you have to buy the other yeah, one yeah. or something you'll like that. To, you'll be able to grind out one and okay. then buy the other. Okay. It's not going to be, you can only okay. have one. I was like, I was, <laughs> what is this? You can only get one. Like you're going to piss a lot of people off doing that. Okay. Because Dido is probably like one of the most requested ships in the game. It's probably got to be up there, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the more unique Royal Navy cruisers of that time period. Although you can now play it with the uh, the preview Pan Asian cruisers in some form, it must be said. So yeah, you yeah. know, I played that ship last night. I played Ramat on stream for the very first time. She wasn't that bad. I was bottom tier, which feels a little bad, but. I was like, you know, for for I had about a hundred thousand damage in my first game, and as a bottom tier light cruiser, yeah, I didn't feel yeah. all that my performance. I was pretty happy with that. That's 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 pretty decent. Yeah, that's my. I've, I've played like two battles in it, and that's my kind of initial feeling as well. But yeah, yeah, uh, like, if I go with anything like that, then uh, I shall look forward to it. Same. Yeah, I I've unlocked her, but I haven't played her yet. I haven't. Uh, I've. I haven't played the tier five either. Actually, I've unlocked the tier five and the tier six now. Yeah, they're fairly easy to get in terms of accumulating the tokens without having to pay anything. Yeah, they really are. Uh, this is one of the things that I like about the pre-release events is that they've made it like if you just log in and play the game. Like if you're just going to log in and play, um, you know, you're grinding out the the German battle cruisers, for example, or or like me, and you're lazy and you're two or three lines behind. Like I just got the tier eight Dutch 
uh, cruiser this past week. Um, then, uh, you know, you're probably playing enough that you're going to unlock a couple of these ships without putting in any like real focused effort. So I like that about the pre-release events these days. I think that's a nice balance. True, they've just gone a little bit overboard with with the money they they charge for oh, the yeah. random bundles and then. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's oh yeah, I beg every time I do a video where we talk about one of these early access things, I beg people, please, please, for the love of God, do not spend doubloons on an early release tech tree ship. Please, for all the love that is holy, don't do it. People still will, I know, but I have to try. Especially yeah. these days, now that we know that if you are patient and willing and really like the camos that come with these events, like previously they'd never been, I think, put on sale afterwards, but of course we have just been having uh in, in uh was it end of december january we had the uh what was it like the british uh, and the soviet camos and then before that it was the i think some of the soviet cruiser event camos i think so yeah oh uh, yeah. yeah like so if you're patient and to be fair i do like the uh the silk screen camos or whatever they're, they're called the pan-asian ones i, I think they're they're quite a nice uh, set compared to some of the other pre-release camos we've had. So, um, yeah, that, that, those are ones that down the line I would be willing to uh, actually pay to put on my ship. So, yeah, hopefully you don't have to wait too long for those. That's that's been one of the factors up till now with the the pre-release events is that that uh, idea of fear of missing out. Of, of well, if you don't get these camos now, if you don't spend the doubloons on the preview event, then you'll never get them. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. It's a little bit, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of less okay with that kind of gating. So it's 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 good to now be able to say, well, if you're patient and you wait, these should appear at some point, and you can just buy them. Although, could could you just buy all of them? Wasn't there a bundle with just two of them? And then that if you wanted the, the other yeah. one, you had to pay a ridiculous bundle? If you wanted all of them, then yes, because they were putting in the silver. Yeah, this is one of the things we've covered, that they were putting in the, the silver tech tree ships with a gold doubloon value, which was just like, nope. <laughs> Big thumbs down. No, why are you doing this? Don't be charging me actual money for... Um, uh, you know, the equivalent of a tier 8 premium for uh, a, a, a tier 8 tech tree silver ship that's actually going to be then less effective for the same amount of balloons spent because your perma camo at tier 8 isn't going to be the same value as a tier 8 premium ship in terms of actually generating credits. So just horrible value for money. Absolutely not worth it at all if you're buying the bundle side of things. But if you just want one or two examples of the camo, rather than I must have all the mm -hmm. camos, then it's it's a bit better. Still not perfect, though. It'd be nice if you could just go to the ship and say, I want to buy that one perma camo on that one ship, import, hey presto, done. But I don't know. Maybe well, someday. Can't, can't yeah. make things quite that easy, sadly. It it was nice to see them bring back, um, like you said, some of the, the pre-release uh, unique event camos. Um, I, I hope they keep doing that because, you know, the art department and everybody says this, they, they are just one of the best parts of this game. And though I realize that not everybody likes all of the fancy camos, even I don't like all of them. Right. I Like, for example, the the like the post-apocalyptic ones where there's like saw blades on the ship and stuff. I don't particularly care for those. Right. But they look really awesome because the art department is really good. So. 
I'm I'm all for them bringing those back. Maybe make you know make them available for community tokens if you want or something. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care how you do it, but but keep coming up with ways to bring those back for people who missed who missed out three years ago or two years ago who weren't playing the game back then. Right? Give your new player base the opportunity to earn some of those unique rewards for ships that they really enjoy. Oh yeah, I agree with them. I mean, I I. Uh, later in the roadmap, they actually said that they are splitting like the the visuals with the bonuses of of camels and so yes. on. Yeah. So maybe yes. maybe they are finally going more into the the customization route because for years I've and many others have told them, why aren't you trying to to monetize visuals, right? Because that's a fairly yes. This is nice way such of a big part of Here's, so many other online yeah. free-to-play yeah. games, and they've been so I, intransigent about yes. it. Yes. I, I can't count the number of people. You guys saw it all the time when you were in the program, right? Mm. People would come in and beg them, guys, you are leaving money on the table. People want to pay you for this stuff. Figure it out. And it, they seem to be finally getting around to it at last. It's only taken them, you know, several years, but we're here at last. At, at, at least that. Uh, talking about it and yeah uh, I, mean, I mean we haven't seen the way the implementation comes but at least they yeah. have announced something maybe the aggressive over uh, over monetization of the game will finally play out in our favor for once <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's so Wait, many other games was... like um uh warframe and uh, i think final fantasy uh the, like, is it 14 the online one and eso and like people literally put on their own fashion shows in games like that because it, you know, the, just the dressing yeah. up their characters and all the cosmetics is just such a a big part of it. And we're kind of at that stage now with with warships, where a lot of ships have multiple skins, even at, at this point. So, and even some of the uh, the consumable camos can look really nice. But uh, yeah, just being able to. Uh, have the visual that you want for your ship and have that be a separate thing from whatever the economic bonuses are. You know, that, that's it's been asked for for so long. So, yeah, that, that, that was almost the most exciting thing for me was uh, getting to that part of the live stream and, and hearing that and being like, yes, finally. We only yes. had to tell you for how many years? Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan. Yeah. But yeah, the winter stuff there under the winter tab is mostly already pretty well known and announced. It's stuff coming in the next couple of patches, right? We yeah. all know, like yeah. you know, in another couple of weeks or whatever it is, the the changeover at the top of the German battleship and the Russian destroyer line is going to happen. Um, they're testing this dirigible thing is on live is on the public test right now. Um, so you know, so how will that be fun? Uh, I don't know. We'll find out when it gets here, right? That kind of thing. And it mentions asymmetric battles as well, which, uh, as of today, is temporarily not available because, uh, yeah, they were having, uh, I think, not enough people in the tier 10s. It was mostly the lower tier team versus bots. And if you did get in in one of the tier 10s, most of your teammates were bots and therefore would just be easy pickings for the other team of actual players. So, yeah, they've taken that away for the time being to try and come up with a solution to that because it, it was just basically co-op but with a tier imbalance 
for the most I w- part. I wonder, what was the problem that there weren't enough people or was the matchmaker being screwed? Because what I've seen I mean, with the super ships, they, they screwed the programming of the matchmaker for super ships. I don't know if they've given any detail to that. There was just like a, an announcement that it's being uh, uh, taken down. So hang on, I'll see if there's any more. Yeah, because it's not a problem I've run into personally, but I, for example, I've saw Mr. Gibbons queue with a super ship and then there were only like three ships or so in queue. And then after a few minutes, it gave them a two versus two battle. While as if you could like with a tier 10 ship, there were hundreds of ships in the queue. It basically it literally put the super ship sometimes in a different queue than and the other ships. And oh. I've also had people send me replays where there were one-on-one Satsuma versus Satsuma because even though there are 100 ships in the queue, the matchmaker just didn't consider them. Yeah. And so I'm not sure why but or how, but they screwed up the matchmaking code for super ships and it didn't affect everyone or not every time. So it's weird. I'm so I the, um, the support link for the asymmetric ah. thing in the chat. It's, it's hidden away on the support portal rather than on the uh, the front page. But essentially, uh, it says uh, just too many bots and we couldn't find a quick fix. So we're going to take it away for now and try and figure out if we can get okay. a solution for next week. So it doesn't yeah. really give any more details on that. Essentially, it sounds like there's something wrong with the matchmaking for this. We don't like it. We're not able to fix it in time. So we're just going to turn it off until we figure it out next week. I think that's reasonable. I mean, rather than rather than ask the team to come in on Saturday and Sunday and solve it, you know, let's just put it on hold and deal with it next week. That's fine. Yeah, especially since it's just a test mode anyway. Exactly. Like no one's losing sleep over this, you know? Yeah. Which sort of brings us to spring. And while in spring, we're getting Italian destroyers. I guess we already knew that. But then, yeah, already been tested. They have announced the next branch is going to be French Cruisers with exciting new gameplay experience, whatever that means. I don't know if they mentioned this on the stream or not, but it doesn't say if they're going to be heavy cruisers or light cruisers. But I I would guess, given the kind of splits that we've had previously, we might see a line of of light cruisers branching off from the, uh, the main branch. Well, that's just pure speculation on my part. Yeah, I, 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 like you, when I first read this, I thought, okay, are we going to get light cruisers? Are we going to get, like, what are we going to get out of this? Um, I, you know, because we have two premium high-tier French cruisers um, that you might could look to for a little guidance. We have Colbert, which is like an ultra-light, basically, like a tier 10 Atlanta almost. And then you have the new um, Carnot, which is like meant to be like a super cruiser with the with the the 12-inch guns and everything. So, uh, and which where are they um, going to go? I don't know. Tier right as well, which is also Bayard is but, right. Bayard is a, is a light cruiser. I think my suspicion is that I I can only assume that what we're going to get is like an American American split, right? Right now the mm. the the French cruiser line transitions from light to heavy at tier seven. Tier six is the last light. Tier seven is the first heavy. I'm willing to bet you they'll shift the heavies over into their own line and then the light cruisers will become like the main line and the heavies over to Henri will be a branch. Um, presumably there's enough, there's enough ship designs or concepts in the archives of the Marine Nationale that that's, that's possible. I have no idea. I don't know the history of the, 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 the French Navy. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's also be interesting to see at which point they split. If they're just going to be a high level split with like seven, eight, nine, ten, or something, or if they start the new line at tier five. If it's yeah. like a really a line, or if it's just the end, it's gonna be split. I suspect it'll be a branch, right? Like we, the the British, British, the new German battle cruisers are the only attempt I've seen them put up to make a complete parallel line. It's all, everything else is almost, you work your way up a few tiers and then there's a branch, right? The American lights are like that. Um, the Japanese destroyer split is like that. The Russian destroyer split is like that. Um, I think in the lower tiers, the two, three, four era, there's not a lot of ship designs to support it for most nations and types. So, but as you move up, variety starts to branch out a little bit, and then they can then support it going up, going up the going up the line. I think they mostly figured out that there isn't just a large enough population playing low tiers to make it worthwhile for them. So they are yeah. focusing a lot more on the higher tiers anyway. Well, that's also partly their own fault, right? They changed yeah. low tier matchmaking a while ago to the point where. I used to really enjoy every now and then going back and playing tier three or four. Yeah, it's a little bit of seal clubbing, but there are some ships down there I enjoy. I like playing my Nicholas. I like playing, um, you know, I had a game. I played in Aurora this week, right? Uh, I had a guy mm-hmm. on my, my, my stream request a game in, in tier three Russian cruiser Aurora, which I hadn't played in probably two years. And I used to play that ship every day back when I was a free to play player and broke and needed the credits. And it was fun. And I, I miss, there are times I miss that, right? Um, but they've ruined like the two to like, if you're an experienced player playing below tier five, they've essentially ruined matchmaking to the point where you'll spend a forever in queue and you'll, you're guaranteed some number of bots in the game. Sometimes a lot of bots, sometimes not many, but it's almost impossible to get a game with no bots. Yeah, and it, it doesn't even give it you quit. Like, if, if uh, half of the players were bots, it would still be sort of playable if at least you'd wait not that long, but it, it takes like three minutes and then the game decides, okay, I can't find anyone on field drift ball. So they'd at least yeah. have to fix the matchmaker that you get. And if you get quicker battles, you also get more uh, players again playing it, right? So it would even help yeah. with. But yeah. we'll see. I think they've just decided to, to give up on the lower tiers by this point. The other thing in spring that stands out to me in the ships if you read the, the sentence about super ship testing, it says, yeah. if we're going to keep step testing super ships, if this all works, we're going to be testing more super ships. None of these ships have been announced yet, right? We don't know what they mean, but they're basically saying, we're not done with this experiment. If this goes well, we're going to keep going. At no point also have they ever announced how these ships are going to be available. Have you wondered about that, right? Mm. I, I, oh, mm. they, they, they said super ships are uh, an extension of the tech tree line, and they will. Are uh, they really? Yeah, okay. they, they said they basically. I think I they that. need one experience or something like that, and a lot of credits. So basically, okay. after the core first, you get the Hanover, you unlock it. It's a silver ship. They they said they're going to cost them a lot of credits and will make a lot. So the idea is that okay. yeah, they they are just researchable. Okay, so they're they're basically trying to extend the brand the tree another another rung 
Yes. Only that last rung is going to be a waste, basically a way to drain credits out of the economy. <laughs> yes. Basically, way, they try to fix their credit issues with that. You might wonder if that's the entire rationale of, because compared to, to World of Tanks and War Thunder, it's like the, the economy in, in warships is so much more uh, casual friendly, if I can put it that way. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, the higher tier stuff could, does still cost a lot of credits, but uh, for the amount of time you, you have to spend grinding uh, compared to World of Tanks and, and War Thunder, even with a, especially War Thunder, even with a premium account, the grind at the high tiers just gets completely insane, and World of Tanks isn't that much better, if at all. Uh, whereas Warships, you know, I can. I've, I've probably multiple times over at this point, I, I've done this at least once of, of spending free XP to get back through a line that I've reset. And I could probably do that at least one or two more times with the amount of, uh, uh, of free XP that I have now. And uh, uh, yeah, you, you, you end up with people that have been playing for a while with literally hundreds of millions of credits sitting around on their accounts and not really that much to spend it on. So uh, yeah, I, I, I've never really thought about it in that context before, but maybe this, this just this whole super ship thing is just let's stick something above tier ten that's gonna suck all of these excess credits out of the economy for all these players that are, uh, you know, that they've reached tier ten that they don't really have that much else to to spend their their credits on. So that would make a lot of sense. It would, and I honestly would prefer they do it this way rather than the Gaijin way where they just have over the last like four or five years, they've just nerfed the economy repeatedly. And I, uh, to the point where it's just, it's, it's a quite a different game for the casual player. These can you even be a casual player in War Thunder these days? I don't know. I've never so tried playing War Thunder. Not if you plan on going beyond the first couple of uh, tiers anyway. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that Wargaming, uh, in the early days, they made it easier and easier to make credits and stuff. I feel like uh, there is, uh, I mean, there's the Warships premium account opposed to the Wargaming account, uh, general account, right? It gives you more bonuses. And then they came out with the permanent camels at tier 10 with the, the you get, uh, you have to pay less repair costs. That's something that I removed from all the consumable camels by now. And then there is like the, the base, right? When you have a clan where you can get benefits, uh, for, for more credits and so on. So basically for years, they've made the economy easier and easier and easier. And then I certainly reached a point where I realized, wait a moment, people just accumulate too many credits, I think. And now they've in the last year, most certainly tried to scale that back a lot. With yeah. Things like, uh, even things like, um, taking flags away from achievements i think was probably towards that end because you know you can now go and buy the bundles of flags except it's going to cost you like you know two million credits for 30 flags or 20 flags or however much it is like it's quite expensive for not that many yeah. flags for the credits yeah i definitely think that that was a that was a uh, an economic change that they felt they have not said this i am speculating that they felt kind of pushed into, right? Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, you could, there were, there were certain flags you could continue to farm. Um, I think Dreadnought detonation, was probably the biggest. Dreadnought, um, um, uh, certain ships anyway. 
certain certain ships made it very easy easier to farm certain flags. Detonations were not one of them. <laughs> no, okay. no, I don't know why they had to shoot themselves in the foot like that. That was just <laughs> such an own goal. Nope, not a thing. And honestly, to this day, that's the one. Like I, I was not happy they took the flags away from achievements because it was that nice little. You did something awesome. Here's a pat on the back and a small reward for doing something awesome. I love that about it. I always like that about the system. But the the one achievement that you got for not doing something awesome was exploding. Right. And instead, the flags felt like a, well, you exploded. Here's here's a consolation prize. Right. So for in the future, you can choose not to explode in certain games of your choice. Okay, that feels good. That's that's like, well, this game was ruined, but future games will be better as a result of it. That's a nice that's a nice little kind of a, a pick me up after you blow up. Right. They but then when they took the detonation flags away from that achievement and now make me pay credits for them. That makes me angry. That makes me really angry because it's like, guys, you're going to kick me in the teeth. You're going to give me a badge. You're going to laugh at while I'm on fire and then you're going to piss on me to put me out like, oh, come on, man. This feels bad. Couldn't you at least left those flags? You could yeah. only get them once a day. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's still baffling to me because I'm not sure how much uh, this made a dent in in uh, but like I said, you can only get them once a day, right? And not every achievement's a farmable, so it's not like yes. people that are good players just had that many flags. And most people aren't good players in the first place, anyway. And they never really came up with a like. There was obviously the detonation thing, but the the explanation from an official stream, I think Sub Octavian gave the explanation. Then was basically the he said that uh, everybody was mounting all the flags all the time, and that set a different baseline for ships, basically right for balancing. So there is no point in having the flags if everybody mounts them all the time. So they had to remove them from achievements, which is such a bullshit because you can't they, from achievements alone mount all the flags all the time. You can mount them because you can so buy you, them for credits. It made it also yeah. so you could put more flags on your ships. Yes, they made yeah. that change. You used to have yes. to change. You used to have to choose. You know, like, because there was a limit of what, what was it, like eight flags total, six flags? I can't even remember, but you had to choose, you know, did he want these economic flags or did he want these ones that helped you with gameplay? Or, but now it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Literally every flag that you have on your ships and they made that I, possible. <laughs> I will, I will cop to probably being part of this problem, right? I think I probably have 2,000 plus of every combat flag, right? Um, the exceptions being these new ones they added that you can only buy for credits, right? The Sierra yep. Bravo and the smoke generator one. Like I, I have to, obviously like everybody else, I have to go buy those. The other ones I saved up flags for years. I did not use flags in randoms. Flags were for ranked competitive clan battles, whatever, right? Flags in randoms. That was not a thing. I didn't care. Like it was a random battle. Um, and so I, I literally got to the point where I had, you know, several thousand of these. Also for a while, before coal was a thing, when you got your daily crates, your choices were credits, flags, or camos. I would mm-hmm. almost always get flags. So every day, I might get three crates full of flags. You get flags from all the campaigns. You get flags from achievements. You get, I, I, I've reached a point where I have more combat flags than I were, will ever be able to use, right? And so... When I'm sure they look at my account and go, Ugh, what happened? Ugh, we got to drain these out, right? 
So but it's still, it, it's not that it simple. First, everyone, it's C-Raptor's fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. I accept it. I accept your blame. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, it's, it must be an obvious lie because they need, like, if that would have been a problem, it would have been a problem for years. And as Shadow pointed out, they even allowed people to, to mount more flags later on as a change. And it's like, they, you can buy as many flags as you want for credit. So if you want to have all flags mounted, you can still do it. The achievements were a nice way to, to get rewarded, but they were not the re- if everyone actually mounts all the flags, it's not because of achievements, because it's not sustainable, right? It's a lot of other right. sources. So it's just such a, such an obvious lie as an answer, because if they took a look at any of the data they have, they'd realize that this is not the problem. And if it's really a problem and they don't want everybody to mount all the flags, there are a lot of other solutions for that, right? So I don't understand it, right? It's, Probably, I guess, an economic change because they wanted to pay credits for them. But they were like, no, no, this is not an economic change. No, no, we def- definitely not. No, this is, this is a ba- balancing reasons. And, so. and it's like, come on, if, if, if you want to lie about it, make it less obvious. But I don't know. Just, the just give us the flags back. It's, excuses they give us sometimes are a bit suspect. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like I don't see the change benefiting them that much because there aren't that many flags given out that way. It's just a very unpopular choice for no reason for, and they can't even be honest about it. It's, it's just sad. I feel like this is a feeling. Okay. This is not, this is not me speaking for anybody. I feel like sometimes wargaming makes a decision for business or economic or financial reasons, but they don't want to tell us that. Right. They don't want to own that. They want they want us to think there's another reason that this decision is being made. And so now they have to concoct something that sounds plausible. Sometimes they succeed. Sometimes they don't. But I (laughs) I get I get I get frustrated because it's like, fellas, we all know it's a free to play game. Just level with us. Tell us economically this is not feasible for us to sustain or the in-game economy is impacted by this. So we're going to make this change to balance it out because, you know, like just level with us, man. We get it. OK. And and they probably I don't know if they would ever believe that. Right. Because I'm sure they have, you know, some study from some psychologist somewhere that tells them, oh, you really shouldn't. Don't tell them why. And I'm like, whatever. Treat me like an adult. That's all I'm asking. Right. I mean, they, occasionally in the past, they have done. I mean, on, on the subject of flags. Yes. Mm-hmm. You guys probably remember back in the day, you used to be able to get super containers that had like 200 flags in. Mm-hmm. And then they took those away because, and you know, they said, well, that's, that's putting too many flags into the economy. That's, that's, yes. You know, that, that was just like, okay, well, it kind of sucks from a player point of view, but you can understand why dumping 200 flags on, of, of, you know, potentially very rare flags on, on somebody at a time is, is, uh, uh, going to maybe, uh, skew things from how they actually want them and then on the other side you know but we've, we've had plenty of examples of the opposite like you say where where they just you can look at it and think mm, well you know well that's the answer you've given but it doesn't really you know you, you're playing a slight amount of brain power to it and it doesn't hold up uh, and uh, the thing that springs to mind is the Missouri when it was taken out way back when, and, and this was a, a bunch of people, I'd actually asked, well, I'd totally forgotten this, but I'd actually asked some Octavian like three years ago, you know, was was Missouri taken out because of its its credit earning? And and, uh, and the answer was no. 
and then they kind of turned around and when Missouri came back in and it was like, oh, you can buy Missouri again, but it's not going to earn as many credits because it was earning too many credits. So it turns out the answer actually was yes the entire time. Sure was. Say that. So uh, yeah, if they would just be honest more often, that would be nice. It would be. Yeah. What else, like is in, what else is in spring here that catches your eye? Uh, what catches my eye is the wording that submarine testing will resume. The fate of the new <laughs> ship type will depend yeah. on the test result. The, I was wondering if you'd read that one. The, yeah. the, the thing is the fate, right? It's the first time that they use wording that could be interpreted in a way that they aren't definitely coming to to a full implementation in the game. I, I don't believe that, right? I'm pretty sure they just give submarines and implement a new game. But in the early days of submarines, they always said, you know, if it doesn't work out, we'll drop it. But that, that wording pretty quickly changed, and they were like, no, no, submarines are coming, right? Submarines are definitely coming. And now for the first time, they use wording where there might be a possible different fate for them. I don't dare hope, but we that- all would have liked them to see them in Conway mode or something like that. But at least they are back to the wording where they don't, you know. I wonder if that's just now. Like, because it did seem, you know, for a really long time, like, okay, yeah, we're getting, getting some persuaded we like it or not. But I'm wondering if of the data, the almighty spreadsheet, um, which is obviously the reason why they've, they've, they've taken them out for a time. But like, if they've hit a kind of roadblock where they're like, well, we don't really know how else to uh, sufficiently balance these things to make them fit, which, you know, as we've many times previously said, they don't. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, it does make me wonder if, if if that's it. If they now are sitting looking at a bunch of data that's making them think, well, maybe maybe we might have to actually not put them in as a class. You have to wonder how much time, money, and public feedback feedback um, negative feedback they want to sustain for a class that has such an ill-defined role in the game and such a chaotic impact on it, and yet instill by their own data, fully one-third of submarine games or players or whatever can't do damage in the ship. So if the ship does no damage, but people are freaked out by them, to the point they play the game differently, but the ship has almost no impact still. Like, you see what I'm saying? There's this weird, submarines have this, so many weird data points that I still can't understand what's going on, right? You're going to tell me a third of submarine games result in no damage, but yet when a submarine is in a game, everybody on both teams loses their minds. Oh my God, submarines. All right, well, but he didn't do anything. Well, maybe he spotted. I will counter that with, you don't. Please don't have any idea whether it's going to be a submarine player that has no idea, which is probably going to be most, was going to have been most of them, or if it was going to be one of the smaller number that really knew how to get the best out of submarines and would actually be dangerous and effective. Like you've got 100% no agreed. The team list, so. 100% agreed. But that's my point, right? If, if, if your mechanics are so bizarre, convoluted, ill-understood, whatever, that people can't figure it out, See also RTS aircraft carriers. Okay. People are not going to play them. 
people are going to actively shy away from them. The majority of people are actively going to kind of, yeah, it's just not for me. Okay. Then you're going to have a very small subset of people that are going to play them and get to know them really well and go melt face with them to the point where everyone complains. See also RTS aircraft carriers. Yeah. Right. And then, and then here you are a year down the road with this class that a very, very small portion of your player base is insanely good with and they love playing. And like the other 98% of the players that log into your game wish that class didn't exist. They've been down this road before. Mm -hmm. They know where it ends. So you've got to be very careful before you start down that road again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically like RTS carries such a large skill gap, right? A, a lot of yes. the most submarine players that you encounter didn't do much. But if you, Yo. a good submarine player like Mr. Mr. Gibbons, he just deletes ships left, right and center, right? And they can't do anything mm -hmm. about it because there's no counter. They can't spot him. He just pops up, one shots them and he's, he's gone again, right? And he had a vastly improved win rate playing submarine solo versus every other class he plays, right? And he's he's a yeah. good player in other ships, but in submarines he just like deleted everything. And yeah. in, and then you see at the same time, most, like a third of the players don't manage to do damage in submarines. And then you you can see the gap is even bigger, basically, than RTS carriers. This is something that's that's hard to fix, right? Yeah. So they've got, in my mind, there is a huge hurdle to overcome. Wow, more than one before submarines are ready for prime time. Right. Mechanically, they've got to settle on. They've got to settle the class mechanically, not um, not the mechanics of, of like, you know, physically they work in the game. But I mean, like yeah. mechanically of how the torpedoes function, how spotting functions, how depth changes function, because all of these things have changed multiple times in the last six months. You've got to you've got to settle that. And then more important than anything, if for, to me, at least, you've got to tell you've got to be able to tell players what role is this class meant to fill? What is that role? Because the the base classes of the game, right? The core three, destroyers, cruisers, battleships, everybody's got a pretty good handle on that. Carriers kind of sit off to their side, but even then they have a role that basically encompasses primarily damage accompanied by some spotting, okay? Carriers, you know, capture zones control is not a thing, you know? Um, so then where does a submarine fit into this? What is your role? Is it cap control? Is it spotting? Is it damage? Is it backline chaos right now i look at submarines the way they were implemented in the most recent patch as they're just they're just agents of chaos because yeah. they they come and go as they please people freak out they can't they try to react to something they don't know where it is even when they do react the submarine will sail underneath them turn around come back pop up dump some torpedoes dive again it's just like they're just they're just they're literally just it's just pure chaos the the uh, ship I the, the ship go ahead I can tell you what their role is, you know, in, in one easy word. Content. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind what you know, they're meant to do in game, you know, they're, they're fair. just extra fair content. Point. Stuff. Fair point. But if you're going to add, if it's going to, in my mind, if you're going to take the time to add it to the game, it needs to have a job. What is your job? Yeah. Right. Um, and then, you know, destroyers, which arguably should be the most effective class at hunting and killing in submarines are arguably the weakest at doing so despite having been given all these tools um just again mechanically because of the way it all works out so it's just it's a mess it's a complete mess right now and they they need to stay away they need to stay off the lights the live server until they can come back to us and and sit down and say all right we've had a rethink of this here's where we want to go here's where we are here's where we want to be here's how we're going to get there 
right? If you can't draw though, if you can't give me those two points and draw a line between them, you need to just you need to just drop the whole thing, chalk it up to a bad experiment, and walk away. Yeah, I'm wondering about it because see the thing about the role is, and I've been saying this since Wargaming ever mentioned submarines. Like before, walk at the beginning, Wargaming was like there will never be submarines, and I've, people yeah. had asked about submarines, and they always said, "I can't see what role there would be." And then Wargaming said, "Okay, we're trying submarines," and I said, "I still don't see what role there should be." But if Wargaming comes up with a way that work, okay. Uh, but the problem is Wargaming has never been able to answer the question. In all the years of development of submarines, whenever you ask them what's the role of a submarine, they couldn't give you an answer because, and that's, I think, is such a problematic way of designing something, right? I think the first thing you need to figure out is what's the role going to be. It's not, okay, make this thing move, make this thing shoot torpedoes, and we'll figure out the rest afterwards, right? I think, like, the most fundamental thing is what role should this fill in the battlefield? How do we imagine this thing should be played, what should it do? When I load into a battle, what's my job as a submarine? And you need to answer mm. the question first. And in years of development, Wargaming has never bothered to answer that question. I think I don't even don't even think they have asked the question. I think it was in the balancing article where they said that the way they approach this design is like with a rock, paper, scissors principle. Like the game philosophy is like every ship should be strong against something, weak against something. Which isn't really how it it works a lot of the time because the roles have been so diluted anyway. But I I wonder if the the way the game was designed was an accident, right? Because that you have like destroyers that are more like uh, the the spotters and cap contesters like uh, support in that way, and then you have uh, the battleships that are the tanks sort of, and then you have like the damage dealing role and so on. Like you have different roles in the game that ships fulfill, right? And I really wonder if that was an accident, because from their own balancing article, they approach things from a rock, paper, scissors point of view, which is not really how the game works at all, especially these days where there are multiple different ships that fit into cruiser roles and uh, joy roles and so on. Now, there's something else in this spring tab that catches my eye that makes that makes me go, maybe they really are listening. Under improvements, they're talking about training combat missions for new players. This is an area where the game has lacked literally since the beginning. Mm -hmm. And people have all kind of kvetched about it. The the Wargaming has basically put it on the community. Ah, figure it out yourselves. Teach people your own video. Go watch Joe Bob's YouTube video and he'll explain it, right? Or whatever. And... It feels like now, you know, for years we've we've told them, guys, you've got to do a better job of taking your new players and giving them just the little most basic, you know, stay between these rails to figure things out. And it feels like maybe, hopefully, that's coming to the game in some for the form of some in-game, uh, some in-game tutorials, which will that, be good. That will be welcome. I mean, it took World of Tanks yes. a really long time to even implement super basic, you know, here's how you move your tank and here's enemy tanks and here's how you, you know fire gun and here's what the different shells do and i don't know if you remember steel ocean at all that might be a name that doesn't mean anything to some people that name rings a bell but um yeah that, that was a, a brief lived i think i think it lived along for a little while but it aimed mm -hmm. to be a competitor to world of warships it was very similar okay. mechanically probably the biggest difference is that at launch it had submarines uh but um yeah, uh, it, it, that that even when you fired it up for the first time, you had to go through through essentially a little tutorial 
scenario mission. You know, World of Warships has the tools for this and has had the tools for a really long time, but you had to go through a little scenario where it was like, okay, here's the basics of, here's what all the things on the minimap mean, and here's how you move your ship, and, you know, it takes time to accelerate and decelerate, and here's how you aim your guns, and here's what the different shell types do, and stuff like that, you know? And even just teaching people the basics of of just, you know, like, be aware of what's happening on the minimap and not just on the screen, and, you know, like, just, just pointing this out to people in some kind of introductory fashion. I think would probably be quite a good thing for the game. So, yeah, it's nice that they're, if they are going to bring something like that finally to the game, and hopefully they tie some kind of small reward to it so there's an incentive for people to do it as well. Like, you know, do do this mission and you get 250 doubloons or something. So, yeah, but that that's definitely uh, long, long overdue. And, a and they've incentive. got to use a lot yeah and they've got a new map on this list finally as well yeah oh yeah that's one we uh they did the vote on isn't it yeah the the, the voting was for the vote the faroe islands was the winner of the vote for so the, mm-hmm. the the map is supposed to be inspired by the faroe islands and i'm looking forward to that so i'm glad one of the things we've all said for many years and i think i think again this is another place that submarines has really hampered the development of the game is that a lot of the, the the tools and resources that would have probably ordinarily been used, I'm speculating a little bit here, but would have in my mind it's the same department, right? The guys that would would build you new maps have now been so right. They've time. spent time going back and taking the existing maps and adding three that third underwater dimension to them instead of building new maps. And it's like, can we just have can you have like two guys working over here on the side and give us like one map a year, please? <laughs> you know? Yeah, also, by the way, coming back to the training combat missions, I sincerely hope that they are going to take some input from like good players for that because that uh, I hope that they actually good missions and tell you, teach you actually useful things. I also, what I really want to see, and what I should have done a long time ago, is different options as default. If you install a new version of World of Warships, your like uh, alternate battle interface or so is off. You don't see health bars above ships. If you install World of Warships, you don't see health bars or the, the ship name of anything. The minimap is small. Yeah. The minimap options, most people don't know that there is a button where you can activate additional things on the minimap, right? There are basic UI things that should be on by default that are off. And there are basic options that you, how you could customize it that people don't even know exist. And that needs mm-hmm. to be in that combat mission. That that would certainly be yeah that would be a very useful bit of information to present to players. And, you know, here's, here's this stuff in the uh, the the options menu. Here's what it does, and people can decide for themselves if it's useful or not. I mean, you offer as much. You, you see, sorry, stuff on, go ahead. On and the forums sometimes, and you know, someone will say, "Oh yeah, you can go and do this in the missions," or even streaming, and people, will, you know, new player will ask, "How do you get all the things on the mini map?" Because they just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. For as much as I complain about stuff that I have to install in the UI to get install mods, right, to get my UI to show me that should be in the base game. Um, there are people and I, I it's easy for us to forget this. So so good on you for pointing it out. But like there are people who don't even know that those base UI options are even there because most of them you have to manually toggle on like the alternative battle interface, like all the little options on the main map. So that's a really good point. I hope I hope that that they 
they add some stuff in there as a part of these training missions or that, you know, when we when these start coming to the test server, we can go play them and add these as suggestions. I think mm -hmm. it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how many radar cruisers would be getting out of the radar if they could see the radar circle on the minimap. Because you see a cap is being taken, you see a radar circle encompasses the whole uh, map, and then it, it, it's like easy to see that you will catch someone in the radar. But otherwise, you have to guess, or you have to aim in the water and judge the distance. You know, if you don't have that circle activated, and by default, it's off. And it's such a small icon where you can find the option. Even it's just sand. Yep, it's a great idea. Uh, well, uh, we maybe should take a moment to acknowledge that I have made some pretty good strides in terms of UI information over the years. Though, I mean, oh no, absolutely, it's been a steadily improving area. Yeah. But what what my experience is what normally happens: the mod community, right, will invent a mod that puts something in the UI that everybody wants, and we all, and then and it becomes really popular. And the wargaming goes, huh. Yeah, we should put that in the base UI. And so then they like co-opt it and it finds its way into the game. Smoke Circles, right, was originally a yeah. mod. Um, ship Names on the Minimap was originally a mod. Um, gosh, I'd have to, I, there's, there's, there's a list. It's a, it's a, it's a non-zero non list, too. There's a lot that has come to the game UI because players like wanted it. Damage counter wasn't yes. part of the UI once upon a time. Yes. But because the players wanted it and made it, and then Wargaming yeah. co-opted it. The sad thing is, I think they stopped that a while ago. Like in the early days, they included a lot of those things into the UI. But I feel like in the last years, they've stopped. Like for example, the uh, that you can see a countdown when when the game will be won by a team by how many capture points it mm -hmm. holds or so. That's not in the game, and that has been something that mods have done a long time ago, right? There are even UI mods that are basically used every time by casters or so on for additional information, right? Yes. And they haven't even found that into the game yet, and it, it would be it shouldn't be hard to implement, and it would improve the overall game experience for a lot of people. And it feels like early on they were concerned about this, but at a certain time they're like, yep, no, it's, we, we don't care anymore. I think... I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. If we don't care anymore. Is 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 entirely fair. I think there is an element of um, we have to remember that that stuff that gets added to the UI to the on-screen information isn't cost-free. I think they're always very conscious of that. They have a very wide range of of hardware that that warships is run on, and so for a lot of people, the you know losing like three or four FPS because they've added a new UI element isn't maybe going to be that big a deal. But, you know, the, the cumulative effect of a bunch of new stuff being added, and well, I, I, can, I can understand the caution, like that there is an actual programming reason why you wouldn't just lump in a bunch of new stuff at once and why it's taken a while for them to add new things and, and optimize things, because uh, uh, UI is a bit, I think, in, in terms of just programming generally i think it's a bit of a black art in terms of getting everything running nicely and smoothly and and not having too big of an impact on performance i mean you can always so, make it talk level right so that people can turn it off i mean if they allow the mods that means everybody can get it anyway and if the mod runs smoothly then i i doubt that the modders are such more skilled programmers than wargaming so if mods can implement it smoothly then wargaming could 
and I could make it toggleable so at least people don't have to rely on mods and if they want or can run it, they can get the information. I don't see any downside. It would be nice if there was more, like, you know, like, you know, the, the timer bars or whatever that you could just toggle on. I, to I, kind know, of, I'm definitely in agreement with that. It's just... To, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, Jedi, I, you approached it from a different thought process than I had. When you first said it's not cost-free... I thought, yeah, somebody's got to spend time to oh, do well, that. that too. You yeah, meant, yeah. I mean, right, right. The, so you meant you, what you meant is, you know, somebody's got to maintain right. these things and make sure they they work between right. patches and every bit of complexity you add. You know, that that's not cost free in terms of right. uh, of uh, uh, actual uh, manpower, um, right, and, 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 and time I, as well. And I, and it feels to me this is something that I've felt for a while. I don't, I'll I'll throw this on the table and see if you guys agree or disagree. But it feels to me like over the last two plus years, there's been a lot less interest from St. Petersburg in doing, making, spending dev time and making changes to the game that would, that are good quality of life changes for the players, but are just money out of Wargaming's pocket. Now, that's not to say they haven't done anything, because that's not true. But it felt like it's felt like that the pace of those things has slowed down greatly. Do you guys feel that way? Yes, I mean I there there was the big change with like you could see like a uh, last some uh, was it end of summer like when you when you could see like Red Killer active that was the last really big quality of life change and that has been mm, a long time yes. coming. But yes. that's that's something that I felt should have uh, been like that's kind of. The second part of the the, the captain event because it was really needed for that. They just delivered something late once again instead of at, at the proper time. But yeah, I, I feel like you're right. I, I feel like they they have taken less interest in stuff that doesn't immediately turn into profit. Sorry, I think I interrupted you earlier today. It might it might tie in more to. Um, the fact that I mean that they've hit that phase of the game where it's now more about uh, they're probably I mean they've always cared about profit but you know in, in the uh, the earlier stages when they were still adding things and feeling things out and um, like they were, they were maybe a, li- a little less concerned about the bottom line as opposed to um, getting stuff in place that would make people want to play the game more whereas these days it's probably much more focus on player retention and and that that uh, that profit loss line at the bottom of the spreadsheet. So I, maybe it's natural that, that things would slow down a bit. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a certain there's always going to be a certain cutoff line for stuff like that where some players will always want more, more, more information, and other players are just like, well, you know, as long as there's enough. And I, I, to be honest, I think we mostly have reached, like this is my personal view, but I think I, we've mostly reached the stage where there is enough information for the player. And it's it's taken a lot less time to get there than it did with, with World of Tanks, certainly. But obviously World of Warships had the benefit of being able to look at what World of Tanks had done previously. Because there was a long time in World of Tanks where there was just not a lot of information at all and you had to heavily rely on mods. True, 
like the, the, there was a, when I was still playing World of Tanks. I mean, even like the garage, right? There was a time in World of Tanks when I when a new patch came out, I stopped playing until the mods were updated because I couldn't even sort for tanks, right? The, the simple mm-hmm. thing, like if you had like a lot of tanks in your garage and you were like, hey, uh, let's play tier seven tank, and you're like, oh crap, how am I gonna find my tier seven tanks now? And that simply required a mod, and I was like, okay, screw it. New patch, I don't play until the garage mod is updated because I can't find my tanks otherwise. You mean, you mean, okay, I'm not a tanks player. I've tried like three games. So you're telling me that for a long time in tanks, you couldn't even filter the tanks you had in your garage by like tier or nation or whatever. That was a mod? Yeah, there, there was, I think, one basic, could you filter like maybe between clan? I think there was some basic filter, but you can't, you couldn't just display like your tier seven tanks, I think, if, wow. if you wanted to without a mod. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we take for granted in, in World of Warships, and, and even these days now in, in World of Tanks, that just like wasn't there for such a long oh, yeah. time. And, and tanks were, I think, like usually least, and I don't think you had like you, you didn't have a multiple carousel like you could. So you had one line of oh, tanks, no, no, no. Like one line. Oh, and the, to... those tanks were I think, by by nation and tier. So you had like the one nation from tier one to to tier ten up. So let's imagine you have like a hundred tanks from different nations, and you wanna just look at your tier seven tanks. It was basically like unless if you had a bunch wow. of tanks, it just gave up. You you installed them, but they didn't play. How good you've got it these days. <laughs> <laughs> you darn kids campus. have no idea. <laughs> That's right. My wife says, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there's I, yeah, not I, much. I, I, I personally think there's, there's, there's some stuff that would be nice to have, but in terms of what's available, it's it's getting new players to be aware that that stuff is available because it's not by default. I I, I agree that there probably should, there, there should be some things that should be so changed. You guys have given me an idea, right? I have a little tiny YouTube channel. Maybe, maybe I should do a video and look around and be like, so you're new to warships. Why don't you check out these UI things? You probably don't know we're there. I mean, yeah, a bad I, idea. Kind of, I'm sure like, that the, that's that's kind of a, a perennially relevant topic, really. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. the kind of thing that, again, you point out as a veteran player, I don't even think about it anymore, right? It doesn't even occur to me that somebody might not go in there and look for that stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hmm, so think about that. But it, it, having, having it in-game would be um, really, you know, because... The vast majority, we know this, the vast majority of, of people that play World of Warships don't, don't go on the dev blog. They don't go on the blog oh, yeah. even. They certainly don't look at stuff on YouTube. They don't go and read guides on the forums. Like, they don't, they don't do any of the extra stuff around the game. They just play the game itself. So ha- having stuff actually in the game that tells people, which again is, I think, in various ways, something that CCs have been telling wargaming for quite a long time, like having, more information in the game geared towards those people that don't do any of the extra stuff would be a good thing. So, again, here we are, finally, hopefully. Hopefully. And then uh, for for next summer, they have announced what a lot of people have been waiting also for a long time, uh, the the British Battle Cruisers, basically a second British battleship line. Which will be... Speed is armor! (laughs) 
Yeah, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be interesting to see. Um, that that will be um, probably a, a, a kind of reasonably niche line because we we already have some battleships that are like that in game where they're very poorly armored. Things like the Champagne and the um, what's the Russian one that's got the turrets at the front, Borodino. Yes. Like they've got like 25 mil noses at tier 8 or something yes, like that. Yes, that sounds about right. Yeah. Bordino's I mean, got even radar. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, so the thing is... It won't be super new, but it'll be... Yeah, I mean, yeah. As a you know, obviously, I I, British I, Yeah, I gotta say, based on playing... I guess, I guess the three British battlecruisers we have right now, proper quote-unquote battlecruisers, would be Hood, Repulse, and Incomparable, right? Am I missing any? That be it, more or less. I think so. Yeah, Hood just plays like a, a battleship. Really, yeah. she she kind of does. She's faster than most tier seven battleships. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you if you think if you if you think your experience is playing those three ships, if if we get a line like that, I'll enjoy that. That'll be fun. I don't care for the main British battleship line at all. That's and I'm I'm not a battleship player in general. And the Brits are like so. From somebody who already doesn't like battleships, the Brits are like near the bottom of even battleships I would play. <laughs> But the battlecruiser idea, I would I would try out. I find that really interesting. Um, again, especially uh, I look at Repulse. Like Repulse is probably a good example, and I really enjoy playing Repulse. So you're going to give me a line that plays kind of like that? Yeah, I'm interested. Let's give this a shot. Yeah, I mean, I, it it's it remains to be seen go, what route they yeah, go with them. They might slap some completely awful gimmick on it. <laughs> Who knows? You could, but oh, you don't need to. You don't need to, right? No, so, don't. So, don't. So, so think know. about it. If if you uh, Hood, I feel like as kind of the original British battlecruiser in the game, you kind of have to maybe push it off to the side and say, not you, right? But if you look at Repulse and Incomparable, right? They are basically um, fairly accurate. I'm going to say lower caliber, but Incomparable doesn't suffer this problem, <laughs> right? So like fairly accurate ships, few barrels, fairly quick, but not very well armored as a result of the speed. And so um, you're talking about ships that would probably have, I'd say approximating heavy cruiser stealth by the time you rig them up with camos and captain skills and everything, but would hit harder than a heavy cruiser um, might even be as fast as a heavy cruiser, but cannot, cannot go toe to toe with an equal tiered battleship without getting their face smashed in because they're not built for it. That's not what they're there for. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. I like it. I mean, as long as they they don't give them too much range, because I, we don't want another yes. sniping battleship line, right? We want something that plays sort of at at mid ranges at least, that uses their concealment a lot as defense. And yeah, I I could see that happening. I mean, they could even go like IP only battleship or something like that. I I think incomparable. Yes, her 20-inch guns are quirky, but I think the way that ship plays, the way it's built, the mix of range and stealth and everything is a really good template for what I would, what would get me interested in the line, right? Incomparable stealth is like 10 and a half, but her range is only like 17 and change. She is not a long-range battleship. By, they're, they're big cruisers that have more range than Incomparable does, yeah. like proper cruisers like like a Puerto Rico or a Moskva or a Stalingrad. So... um I like the idea of a line that's similar to that, right? I, give or take the torpedoes, I could really care less. But the idea of a of a squishy, mid-range, very accurate, battleship caliber 
speedy battle cruiser line? Yeah, okay, I'd, I'd play that. That'd be interesting. I mean, I love incomparable. They might have yeah. slightly overdone it with the concealment. It's it's better give concealed you than a Des Moines. <laughs> I'll give I will give you that. And I've pointed that out the very first time I looked at the ship. I was like, this ship has better stealth than Des Moines. What are they doing? So I I'll grant you that one. But um, she is very soft. It's very easy to yeah. kill an incomparable at tier ten. So other things in summary is the return of convoy. This time awesome. with better routes. They got to do something. That uh, did you guys enjoy this mode? When it was around, did you really, play it and enjoy it? When they say Return of Comfort, I really hope they'll put subs in this time round. Now, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. I, Obviously, I think like, like going back to the subject of subs, but if they had them as some kind of event thing or special mode thing, you know, I would like to see them in the game in some capacity or even scenarios that were just for yeah. subs, but just not, not as they are in randoms. Anyway, that's, you know, a whole other topic. But yeah. Convoy is absolutely where, where subs would uh, fit. And uh, we'll see what changes they, they do make, because they say they're changing the format, but not what changes they're making. I, yeah. I, I did enjoy Convoy. I think I played it about four or five games one night on stream. The games were not fun. They were miserable. They were not, And I was like, I'm done. This is just not an enjoyable mode. Um, so I'm, I'm game to give it another shot if they come back with some changes. But I'm, I look at this and go, Eh, I wasn't impressed the first time. So make some changes and I'll give it a shot. Maybe you'll knock my socks off, but I'm not holding my breath. I have to say, I enjoyed Convoys to a part, but mm -hmm. the, the balancing was horrendous. And the only reason it was playable was because most people wouldn't know tactics if, if uh, you know. Uh, so the thing is, it was, um, I, and it was sometimes, it could have simply been, there was one map that would have been a lot more balanced if the start and the end point would have just been switched. That's why I think that they said they are new routes because they've designed it so that basically uh, uh, the attacker wins. In a sense, they've almost they've always made it so that there was like this perfect ambush position, and all you had to do was like sink the convoys. You had you didn't even care about the defenders in a sense, right? And you always made positions where it was incredibly easy to take them out. So you needed somebody who just doesn't understand how the game works in order to win as a defender. But it, it focused a lot of on brawling, which I like. And because it was it was basically uh, a ray. And that's also something, right? Sometimes the, the defenders they basically started with the ships, right? So they couldn't race ahead of the ships or do anything because the ships wouldn't move that slow. So they were kind of stuck while the, the attackers they could just go into the right position and then farm you at the at the narrow Thing where they could ambush you around an island where there was nothing you could do about it. While as the, the defender, you were stuck sitting right next to it and you couldn't, like... So there were a lot of issues, but at least it forced a lot of fun close quarters encounters that were... So... Yeah, if, it if had you... some elements yeah. that were good, definitely. Maybe yeah, it to be me, more fun. To, to me, the best thing that, that's in this summer section is, and we we touched on it briefly earlier... They're going to finally separate um, economic bonuses from ex from the ship exteriors. So they're going to start stripping, apparently, economic bonuses off of flags and camos, presumably, and yeah. adding them somewhere else. So that I can choose a camo based on what I want my ship to look like, and then the bonuses that I'm going to pick and add to my ship come from some other source. 
I'm excited. I love this, right? I'm, I'm all about this. As much as I love my community contributor camos that we get every month, right? <laughs> I am, I am, I am a big fan of ships looking, uh, like they did historically, right? A historically accurate paint job of some kind. And so, um, I love the idea of being able to take my permanent camos, but get better economic bonuses than the permanent camo gives me just because I want the ship to look that way. So bring this on. This is another thing that I'm, I'm ready for. If done right, yes. I mean, we've, I've wanted this for a long time that I can customize my ship the way I want. So obviously that leaves a lot of questions. Is there like an economic slot and you just have economic bonuses unlocked so that you can slot there and then maybe a visual slot where I can slot whatever I want. And that, that's something that I'm hoping for, right? That like well, what happens with the perma camos I, uh, I bought? I presume it's Bungie Bundle. It gives you one thing for the visual slot and one thing for the economic slot or something like that. We will have to see how they do it, but there is a lot of potential if done right because I just want like my, from my permanent camo right, the economic bonuses and then I want to choose visuals however I wish. So lot of potential to to do it right, a lot of potential to do it wrong, I guess. But there's other mm. games that, that do do that, that you have um, like MMOs and what whatnot, or, or even single player games where you're uh, kind of, you've got separate slots for your actual armor, but then you can have cosmetic pieces that kind of overwrite that, as it were. So if you think about it in that same way, you know, you've got your... your economic bonuses and then you've got your you know your, your visual thing so uh, it, it it's it sounds like it it should be certainly possible to do it that way that doesn't take away from anything that we have at the moment which you know that would be the ideal really yeah like like for example in uh, uh star wars the old republic right there is basically a visual slot like the gear there is a slot for the gear that you actually have and then there's a visual slot and you can drag any gear into the visual slot and it just takes on that appearance and there is many examples for that where you can in in like mmos for example it's extremely popular that you have different visual slots there you know start slots for for your armor right and i'm hoping we see something like that where i can just have drag my bonuses that i've unlocked right for the ship into to like the bonus slot and then i can pick visuals however i please i'm also hoping that they are expanding on the idea that maybe you can make a reusable camels permanent in a sense or something like because there are so many nicely designed camels that you can't get more of right and then i'm not using them because i'm like oh this camel looks so amazing but i only have 10 of them so i'm never gonna use them anyway and i would like a ship to look like this but it's just you know there is there is so much potential for visuals and i'm hoping that they go more into this route because once they have unlocked the bonuses and the visuals they can also maybe add more slots for visuals like we've discussed this in the past you could have like stickers you can put on them or slogans or you know well, I mean, I mean <laughs> again, a thing other games do with great gusto. Um, yeah, again, an area where they could have been making money selling these things to people long, long ago. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, better late than never, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Wargaming famously hates money. <laughs> yes, totally. They're very averse to it. You can tell by the decisions they make. Yeah. 
Yeah, but but like in in World of Tanks, you could put like you know, it's like slogans and yeah, stuff and so on. I mean, yeah, not not as near, not as nearly as much as you can in, in War Thunder, for example. But um, yeah, I, I don't think they'll ever do it as much as you can do it in War Thunder because you sometimes get some uh, interesting combinations of uh, decals and uh, uh, decorations that people put on their their machines. I mean, look, you could go like with your ships, you could put like a, a figurine on, on the hour of the ship, right? Like you could make that a slot where you can, can mount something or I don't know. You, if you really wanted to, you could like not just have complete camos, but you could add or have some things that you can add onto them. Like, as I said, the possibilities for cosmetics are endless. And I bought more cat camo. That's what it comes down to, really, is we just need more cat-themed <laughs> things in the game. So that, that's, that's the ultimate ulterior motive. What, what I also want, I, I want more cats and I want uh, a beard cell camo. I've tried to suggesting this to Wargaming multiple times. They've never reacted, answered. They've just ignored me. But uh, I, I might be able to keep trying. I want my beard cell camo on a German battleship. Your witch camo? Beard cell. Like uh, um, a beer tent? Is that how would like October oh, okay. first? Right. I like got this. you. I got you. Yeah, like like from a beer garden or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, beer garden exactly. I got you. I got you. Okay. I mean, they have the Atlanta camel with like the beaches, and there are like even flip flops yeah. lying on the deck. Yeah. It's it's so nice. It's so detailed, and it's so absurd. Yeah. Why not that's, that's a beer why I love tent, it. right? You know, I mean, if yeah. they can model flip-flops, they can model a beer mug and maybe, you know, a, a plate with some food on it and a tent and so on. I love it. Let's, let's, put, it, let's, put, in a, let's put in a campaign. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I, I, back when I was a CC, I tried to suggest it to them multiple times. They've always ignored it. Ooh. I mean, it would even sell great. <laughs> like, they usually have something German-themed for, for, like, Gamescom. They had it every year, right? And I mean, last year they've—I mean, there wasn't really much games come with with the pandemic going on. But like last year, the was it last year? Like they had the the cathedral for Bismarck, which is a yes. amazing camera, but pretty absurd. Oh, that camera was gorgeous. I mean, they are not—you know—I mean, the Germans would love something like that. But okay. you know, may, maybe one day I'd keep trying. <laughs> I'm in. I'd go for it. Uh, oh. Yeah, I guess we've basically yeah, covered all of it. Really. Uh, the, the one other piece there is that the, uh, some of the US destroyers are finally getting their models updated because some of them stick out like a sore thumb. So that'll be nice for US destroyer. Fans. All I want them to do is lower Gearing's freeboard. She has way too much freeboard. Way too much. I mean, we'll, I, we'll see. You'll have, to, you'll have to poke them about that. Oh, yeah. That's, it's it's, it's going to happen, right? I mean, a, 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 Gearing, a Gearing and a Yu Yang are not the exact same class. They're close. They're cousins, right? But the fact that the Gearing weighs more, displaces more tonnage, and sits higher in the water? Call and BS, kids. Call and BS. 
That's that's uh, uh, you, you know the uh, wargaming universe has magic, like how uh, Japanese hundred millimeters work. That's right. Some some things yeah. just work with magic. Physics, magic physics. That's what it is. <laughs> My wife says <laughs> all physics all physics are magic. I'm like ah. Okay, sure. I'm in. <laughs> no, that'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. I love playing the I love the American Destroyers. Absolutely one of my one of my top two lines, top three lines in the game. Absolutely love those ships. So anything you do over there, I'm in. Yeah, and I think with this we've basically covered all that we wanted. Yeah, I don't think there's anything uh, unless they've snuck in an extra one while we've been, uh, which has occasionally happened. Yeah, it's pretty late in the day there. It's the it's like it's like almost Saturday morning in St. Pete. I suspect (laughs) they're not working quite that late. No, no, that would be very, very dedicated. Yes, and it it has been known to happen, but it is not the norm. Yeah. Yeah, So, Dalian going on sale. Um, Yeah, that that's us. I think. Yeah, so uh, thanks for joining us, C-Reptite. It was a pleasure having you here. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. I do appreciate it. It's been fun. So, I mean, you can find C-Reptor at Twitch and at YouTube, and can you find you somewhere else? Uh, Twitch and YouTube are the places that I put out comment. I've got a Twitter account that I derp around on on occasion, um, but Twitch and YouTube are the two big ones for now. Um, I don't have a Patreon or anything like that. I'm I'm not into that quite far enough. I'm going to be, as I get deeper into 2022, I'm going to be expanding for more into also uh, tabletop board gaming content. I've got a lot of uh, a lot of gear set up downstairs on my game table. I've done a couple of streams just kind of doing some testing and proof of concept. But I think uh, like for this rainer this month, I'm going to be doing some miniature painting down there. And then as we get deeper into the year, I'm going to be doing some live gameplay. So if you're into board gaming, um, throw me a follow. Check it out. It'll be fun. Okay, then uh, thanks everyone for watching and see you guys next time.